<laughs> we are podcast. Oh. We were podcast. What is happening? We are finally podcast. Is this real? <laughs> yeah. Yep. This is how you choose to start this episode? We've achieved our goal, Zach. What's our goal? We're finally podcast. It's in the fucking name. I thought we were since the first episode. No, this is all a test. It's like the prototype Ava units. Oh, is this episode we're... one? <laughs> yep. No, see, we're now we're we're now we're mass produced. We are finally podcast. Oh, so we can't so... swear anymore, which I think we've already broken. So I guess we're not podcast anymore. There's oh oh god, I'm so sorry. Is the name now? We were finally podcast. No, we were podcast. We did this joke already. Yeah, we did. It's fine. I'm Rosin. I'm podcast. Good. I was about to say fuck. I didn't get the fake name thing in here. How am I? How am I gonna work this in? I want there to be someone listening to this podcast that still doesn't know our fucking names. I mean, I'm sure that hey. I guarantee you there's people that don't know mine. I know for a fact that there are people that have stumbled onto this via iTunes, and I'm not entirely sure how that's happened. But I've seen comments on videos where people didn't know my name, so... Yeah, I mean, I don't know your name, so... Hey. It's a mysterious thing. Yeah. Um... But, yeah, uh... It's Zephyr Wolf. Yep. <laughs> it's gonna be my Sonic Forces character. <laughs> Oh, hey, I'm getting a text. Nice. Yeah. Take it. Hold on, let me just respond. Oh, I'm gonna reshuffle. This is actually a good transition. No, my credit card didn't come <laughs> in the mail yet. Yeah. There good. we go. Yeah, my credit card got stolen a few days back. Some mass wipe in West Virginia tried to... Tried to Tried to do some stuff with it for like five dollars. <laughs> Don't laugh. This is serious. I had to call and cancel and order a new card. It was a bad time. I'm not laughing at your card situation. I'm just laughing at you in general. Okay, thank you. Makes me feel a lot better. Um, yeah, uh, I'm I'm a little a little salty about it. So actually. There's really not much in life I can say about West Virginia in general that's positive. Oof. Like, I drove through... So, we had a family... I think I've talked before. When when our family did, like, vacations and stuff and, like, road trips, we'd always go out east because that's what, like, my mom was interested in. Or, like, down south. So, the only time I've ever been through West Virginia, uh, it was one of those, okay, uh, like, it's starting to become night. And we're about to enter West Virginia, and the town we're currently in, all it has is, like, two really shitty rundown motels. Let's try to go further in and see if we can find anything. We then drove until 2 a.m. I started to get carsick. I threw up on the side of the road near a bar. Um, I was, like, 12, I think. I think I've heard this story. Probably. And we kept driving and driving. At some point, we almost ran out of gas, and there was no fucking stations. That, like, I can't remember what year this... Well, like, I, yeah, it would have been, like, sometime, like, mid-2000s. Like, not every gas station over there had the whole, like, you could pay with a credit card, even if no one's at the gas station thing yet. 
So we were just about to be fucked, and we finally found, like, a decent-sized town that had, like, you know, that, and also decent hotels, and we finally stood for the fucking night. And it was a bad time. There was a really creepy painting in the hotel room that to this day is etched in my brain as, like, staring at me while I sleep, while I had an upset tummy. It was a bad time. Um... I mean, it's not all bad, though. Okay, this is actually another fun story. I had, a, I had an internet friend who met Obama one time, who was from West Virginia. That's a positive thing. Yeah, he, he discovered some weird astronomical, like, object in the sky just randomly with the telescope when he was, like, doing some, like, science project thing. And he was like, hey, teacher, what is that? And my teacher's like, oh, my God, you discovered a thing that's not recorded. And, like, he actually, like, was on TV, and, like, Obama gave him some award. Huh. Yeah, it was a good time. I'll never know what happened to him, though. I haven't talked to him in, like, three years, so. Yeah. Uh, good times. But, yeah, um, no. That's yeah. all related to my credit card getting stolen, by the way. Yeah. Yep, West Virginia. Fuck West em. Virginia. Fuck em. Hey, I bet someone right now is listening from West Virginia. Yeah, I bet they are. Fuck them. Why'd you steal my card? Hey, yeah, any West Virginia listeners, post in the comment why you stole Rosin's card. <laughs> post in the comment my credit card info. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Let honestly. everyone else have it, not it too. <laughs> I canceled it already. So I need a fine. bag of chips, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so uh, I... Uh, I'm pretty mad about it though, because I had the SNES class. I've told I told you this before we started recording, but for the audience, yeah, I'm starting to wonder why we didn't just save it for the podcast. Yeah, same. So fuck Best Buy's <laughs> online ordering system. So if if you listen to the last last weeks, or not a weekly show, but we had one like about a week ago, a podcast. We've had like four this past month. Yeah, I know. We're starting to normalize. It's getting weird. It's mm. making me uncomfortable. Well, let's see what the quality of this one's like. <laughs> yeah, we, may to, we may need to stop. Um... No, so, fucking, last week I talked about how I, I got real lucky, I snagged a Best Buy pre-order for the SNES Classic Edition, so apparently, like, if you're, like, two days out after you have your initial pre-order in, Best Buy just doesn't fucking let you change any of your, like, payment info or, like, logistical stuff for your online orders. Like, it just tells, tells you when you try to click the button, like, it's too late to make changes. So I learned that Best Buy has one of the worst fucking systems for, like, handling payment info changes ever, where when they first, uh, when you first put the order in, they charge your card just, for, like, a temporary amount just to make sure you have the funds and everything goes through it right, or else they'll, like, spit back, like, an error. And that's fine, a lot of online merchants do that. Um, but what the, they then do is, like, a day or two before it ships, they then charge you again, this time for, like, the full amount or whatever, and if that doesn't go through, they give you, like, 24 hours to change your payment info, or your or your thing just gets cancelled. So I'm just kind of currently eyeing my email like a goddamn hawk, hoping that my fucking little, like, error thing pops up that lets me change my credit card to my new one that I still don't have yet. Um, so I can secure that SNES Classic Edition order, because if it gets cancelled because some asshole wanted to buy a bag of chips in West Virginia, I'm gonna be really upset. But it's fine. But yeah, that's been my life. Good podcast, we're done here. Yep, bye. Yep. No, uh, aside from, like, terrible credit card bullshit... And just financial insecurity. 
Uh, I've been making myself feel better by playing Mario Cross Rabbids XCOM Kingdom Monsters fight. So, when this whole Rabbids thing started with you, I never really knew how serious I should take it. Yeah. And part of me really didn't think you'd buy this game. Oh. And then you ordered it. <laughs> yep. And I... then you streamed it. Yeah. Tell me about Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Okay, so I want to just clarify that I bought the first Rayman Raving Rabbids game day fucking one when mm. I was... Hold on, let's check the year on this pupper. Oh boy. Let's Date see. yourself. Yeah, hold on. I was in 22. Yep. 23, fuck you. <laughs> Let's see. That was, uh... Almost 10 years ago. Wait, no, it's been over 10 years ago. It was November 2006. I was 13 when Rayman Raving Rabbids came into my life. Yeah? And I've been I've been a fan ever since. I bought Rayman Raving Rabbids two. I bought Rayman Raving Rabbids TV Party, which is the one that you used the little like balance board Fuck for. You. No, you didn't. Yeah, I, I have a copy in my closet right now, Zach. I can show it to you. And then you I, have all the Rabbids games? No, I, <laughs> you, you. That's a good. That's a good question because as soon as I bought TV Party, I went, "This is fucking shit. Why am I buying these?" And I stopped. So I've actually okay. been off the rabbit's train until until this one. Back in. But I have the yeah, but I have the original trilogy of games. So Ooh, the classic trilogy. The classic Wii trilogy of Rayman Raving Rabbids. You wanna know a fun story actually? Sure. I actually didn't realize, and I don't think to be fair, a lot of people did. Um when I ordered or like bought Rayman Raving Rabbids, I was not aware at the time that that game had gone from a 3D platformer like Rayman 2 and 3 to a fucking minigame collection. I don't know if you remember this, but like way back when the Wii was called The Revolution, mm. the whole premise behind this game was that like you were like it starts with Rayman in like a jungle and these fucking rabbits are on UFO ships like trying to capture him, and at the end of the level you get captured, and then, like, the prison they throw Rayman in is, like, a fucking, like, hub world that he has to do a b bunch of different, like, challenges or platforming things to, like, get out, and at some point in that game's development cycle, they scrapped that idea altogether, and it went from a traditional Rayman platformer to just being a minigame collection. Can I tell you something? Yeah. I have never played a Rayman game. Okay. I've never seen a Rayman game. Oh. I've never... I, I know what the character looks like. Yeah. I know that the rabbits spawned from it, and I know what the rabbits look like. That's as far as it goes. Okay. I know, I know that apparently they had, like, a revival that went back to the 2Ds classics. Yeah, I've never played those myself. Yeah, that's all I know. Um, I grew up with Rayman 1 and 2 on PlayStation 1, and I loved those games to death. Rayman 3, I remember not being super fond of as a kid. Like, I liked it, but, like, it wasn't... I thought I liked the first two more. Um, now, were the Rabbids in those games? No. 
No. They were kind of, they were supposed to just be like, oh, this is the new enemy. Um, the subtitle for Rayman 3 is Hoodlum Havoc, and the idea, like, hoodlums are the monster enemy race of that game. Okay. Like, Rayman, and then, like, Rayman 2 had, like, ghost pirates that were super cool. Rayman 1 had, like, these weird, like, God, I don't even remember what they're called, but, like, Rayman's never, so, here's the thing that actually you should probably know about Rayman that I think a lot of people leave out, but is kind of important to the history. I think of all the mascot platformers of that era that had multiple spanning games and got popular, Rayman is the least defined. Um, and to be fair, I think I think the uh, some of the spinoffs I never played and like those new revival games kind of get more into it. But Rayman never had like a consistent like thematic, well, not even thematic, but like general aesthetic or like thing going for it. Like the first Rayman game is like from what I recall, heavily implied to be taking place in, like, a dream world. And I think the final boss of that game is actually called, like, Mr. Nightmare or something. Mm -hmm. And then, like, Rayman 2 became, like, weird fairies and ghost pirates and shit, and, like, it just kind of went all over from there, and now we have, like, fucking proto-minions. Yeah. Um, They were minions before minions, man. I don't know what to say. Um, So, yeah, I don't know, but, um... It's really good. Um, it is, in fact, just Mario with Rabbids and in an XCOM game. Uh, I know that some people have compared it to Disgaea. I'm personally not super familiar with that series, so I don't quite see it, but there's probably stuff I, I just don't know about. So I've seen it compared to Disgaea. I've seen it compared to Fire Emblem. I think those comparisons are being made by people that have never seen XCOM. See, there's that, but also I think some of the support functions that aren't in XCOM are from Disgaea, which is the only reason that that one... Okay. Um, I, I, I still think a large part of those people, though, especially the ones comparing it to Fire Emblem... I think have, the Fire Emblem, yeah, I think it's just... You, oh, you just never saw XCOM, because it's yeah. blatant. <laughs> yeah, like, like, it's... Mario and Luigi's special command is just Overwatch from XCOM. <laughs> um... That being said, though, uh, someone on Twitter asked me how how it was, and I just replied back with what I think is, like, my elevator pitch for this game. Like, if I had, like, a younger relative watch me play XCOM or something and, like, was curious about it, I would hand him this game. Hmm. Um, it is elementary XCOM, but your units aren't really... You, you know, it is a strategy RPG party of characters. You're not really... They're not really disposable, you know. It's an actual party. Um, That being said, you are heavily encouraged to... So it it is broken up into a world and level structure where one level has multiple encounters in it. And sometimes the easiest answer is, hey, put one of your party members into a dangerous situation to have them do enough damage and just win the fight. And the next time around, you can change that out with a party member that... Like, you can put party members on the bench and have new ones come in. And actually, one of my beefs with the game is that your max party size is only three units. Which I think is a little too simple. I don't know if maybe they unlock it so that you could have more later on. I kind of hope so, but I'm not getting my hopes up. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It's really fun. It's really creative. And kind of being more styled like a traditional strategy RPG a little bit does, I think, 
add some additional layers of strategy that XCOM doesn't quite... Because, like, obviously it doesn't have, like, the base building and, like, resource-intensive strategy elements that XCOM does. But instead you get stuff like weapons that have certain special effects that can play off and combo well with other characters' special abilities. The example I really like giving people is, um... If you have a team of Mario, Luigi, and Rabid Luigi, you can set Mario and Luigi to go into their Overwatch move, and then Rabid Luigi has certain um, weapons that can cause burn damage to a enemy, and burn damage has a like thirty. I think it depends on the weapon, but it gives you like a slight percent chance that they'll get the burn status effect. And you've yeah you've played Mario sixty four I know you've talked about that before you know when Mario gets burned in that game and he runs around like on fire holding his butt or whatever so the minute you said put Mario and Luigi in Overwatch and have him burn them I knew exactly where it was going and I loved it yeah so fucking the rabbit will start to like cover their butt and run around and that triggers Mario and Luigi's Overwatch and you just get a shit ton of like it basically kills them like in one go. It's so fucking good. Um That's that's great. Uh there and like from what I understand there's other abilities and like setups and stuff that have like um different types of things. Like I know that Rabid Peach and I think Mario get guns that can cause like honey damage which has a slight percent chance of just having an enemy get stuck for a turn. Like, they just can't move at all. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff. It's really good. It, it's better than it has any right to be, honestly. Um, yeah, it sounds like, you know, XCOM light with status effects. Yeah, um, it's really good. Um, How's the comedy? A little... Okay, if I was in fifth grade, I feel like I'd love it. I'm not in yeah. fifth grade. Um, it's really stupid. There is... Okay. I am shocked at how not as much of a Nintendo game it feels like. Yeah, you were saying a little bit about this. And I think it's I think it's very obvious that you need someone like Ubisoft to get in there and kind of... You need a huge corporation with as much sway as Nintendo. Well, not as much, but like... I, you know, significant amount to be like, okay, we're going to take some creative control over here. Um, I've seen the word hell used twice in the game, (laughs) which like, I mean, it's like not a big deal, obviously, but it's kind of something you wouldn't expect if Nintendo was running the show, you know, like there's, there's one area in the game that I haven't, I don't have access to yet, but the little, like, uh, the little, like, uh, you have, like, a little robot AI partner, and he's kind of... He's kind of, like, the main character or, like, the narrator of the game. Um, and you go over to one area, and he's like, Oh, yeah, we can't access this industrial hellscape yet. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, there, Mario has a gun called Hell in a Shell. Um, and actually, one thing that someone said that I never saw before, but I looked it up, and yeah, it's there... They did, like, character reveal... Like, you know how Persona Q, when they were announcing that, they like, the character reveal trailers and shit? Yeah. They apparently did that for this game, and Peach's character trailer calls her a badass. Hmm. So, okay. like, it's really weird. Um, I, I skimmed the uh, stream you did. Yeah. And there were some, some sick, like, Aphrodite mentions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's... So Bowser Jr. seems to be, like, the main bad guy at this point in the game so far. 
um, there's, like, a scene where he pulls out his iPhone and gets a call from his dad asking if he's got the mail-in and, like, did the chores and shit. And, like, that kind of felt non-Nintendo-y. Um, well, like, Bowser Jr. and Bowser as a father-son thing has been being pushed more and more, and I love it. Yeah, it's really good. Like, you have that parental relationship. Like, yeah. Like, the uh, parental supervision, like, little PSA Nintendo put out for online features that was really fucking good. Yeah. Um, also, too, there's... So, do you know the plot of this game? Uh, I mean, beyond the generic, like, rabbits thing, no. Do you know how the cross... Okay, so you don't know how the crossover happens. No. So, there's this inventor girl, and I want to say she's young, I I think she's like a teenager, who has, like, Mario memorabilia and, like, merchandise all over her lab, and she's inventing a headset that when you stare at two different objects and select them, will combine them together. Fuck off. So what happens is that she leaves to go grab dinner, and, like, and the little, like, robot, uh, god, I can't remember his name, but the little, like, robot, like, AI buddy or whatever is, like, just left in the lab to look over stuff. Now, as she leaves to go get dinner, the rabbits teleport into her lab in their time-traveling washing machine, which is apparently a thing that was added into the rabbits mythology after I, uh... After I jump ship. Um, and they steal the fucking headset. And, like, at some point, like, a rat... Like, they manage to, like, combine the Mario merchandise in her room with, like, a rabid And, like, shit, like, it opens up a weird portal to the Mario dimension or whatever the fuck. And things just start to go bad. Um, it's really fucking weird. Uh, the main rabbit... Okay, so the rabbit that wore the headset gets the headset stuck onto his head and is just running around freaking the fuck out, accidentally crossing things over. And he's not doing it on purpose. Like, he's actually pretty horrified of the situation. But now all the characters need to, like, stop him or want to use him for, like, personal gains. So, like, they try to, like, get a hold on him while he's just running around terrified. (laughs) <laughs> and at some point, Bowser Jr.'s like, let's call him Spawny, and everyone's like, right, his name is Spawny now. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird. And I feel bad for him. I hope everything works out for this poor rabbit at the end. Oh, like, well, he keep just, us updated, I guess. He just has a headset stuck to his head, and he everywhere he goes, things just go to shit. Um, the only disappointment I have with the game so far is, as far as I can tell, I, I beat the first world. Everything except for bosses seems to just be rabid enemies. Yeah. When you actually literally the first thing you see of the crossover stuff is like you see like some rabbits and goombas stuck together in a giant pit of honey and everyone's like oh god what's going on? And like all the other like all the Mario enemies seem to just have like abandoned ship and the rabbits are just running around causing chaos so you have to stop them. I would totally love to see, like, weird Koopas with rabbit ears and, you know what I mean? Those would be fun. It's funny, because I I initially, because there was that reveal trailer during E3 of uh, Rabbit Donkey Kong. Yep, he's the world one boss. I I kind of assumed that they would be doing rabid versions of the Mario villains. They kind of, so the gimmick is the mini-bosses and bosses of each world, I believe, are those. Because the first mini-boss is Petey Piranha and a rabid cross together. Alright. Well, at and, least there's that, I guess. And then the world boss is Donkey Kong, rabid. 
And actually, I will say those boss fights so far have been really fun. Um, PD Piranha was literally a thing where he just runs around and he has a shit ton of explosive barrels everywhere. And, like, you have to be really careful where you take cover and try to, like, draw him in towards those explosive barrels and try to get them to blow up near him. Uh, Donkey Kong does this thing where every few turns he'll, like, just cause a shockwave that hits everyone on the map. And there's a bunch of pits everywhere, and if your character, like, manages to get smacked into a pit, that's a lot of damage towards them. Uh, it's really neat. Oh, and also the first, so the different enemy types all get, like, this little introduction piece where, like, it shows off, like, it shows off their name, what they look like, and kind of what their gimmick is. The base enemy type in the game is a David Bowie reference. (laughs) It's just called Ziggy and has a lightning bolt on his face. (laughs) Yeah. It's, like, it's just a bunch of really weird stuff, and, like, it's kind of neat to see, like, Mario stuff from, like, someone else's creative perspective, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm really digging it. Yeah, that's good. I have, like, a personal problem. Yeah? And it's, like, just a me thing. Well, it's not just a me thing. I'm sure there are people out there that agree. But, like, it's it's not fair. But I I Mm -hmm. feel this way. Um, we've had, uh, Super Mario RPG. Mm Mm-hmm. We had Paper Mario and all of its sequels. Yep. We had Mario and Luigi and all of its sequels. And now we have another company coming in doing their own Mario RPG. Mm-hmm. With, with Ubisoft. Uh, we have so many Mario RPGs now. Why the fuck is there no Zelda RPG? Huh. Why is it Mario that gets all of them? Why is there no... no like, you know? How come I, the high fantasy never got a Zelda RPG? I have the perfect transition right now. You should play Final Fantasy Adventure. Um, So that's the other thing I've been playing. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I've been playing Final Fantasy Adventure. I'm working on the second RPG Rewind, which is um, going to be focusing on the three English versions of Seiken Densetsu, which is for people who don't speak Japanese uh, and have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about, is the first Mana game that uh, famous action RPG series from Square Enix that's kind of fallen by the wayside as of late. Um, but, you know, Secret of Mana, all that. Seiken Densetsu 3 is really popular in Japanese RPG circles. It's commonly referred to as the best Mana game. I've never played too much of it. Um, so I've never played Final Fantasy Adventure. I've played its Game Boy Advance remakes, uh, Sword of Mana. And then there's a recent Vita remake that... Uh, is a little bit closer to the original than sort of mana took some liberties with everything and like really expanded the game. So I just went back to basics. I'm going to start, well, I started with the first one. I've just been putting some time into final fantasy adventure, which um, is what the localized title got stuck as. I think actually in Japan, it's like final fantasy Gaiden or something actually. So like they didn't just slap on final fantasy like they did with the uh, saga games. It's actually, this actually did start as a Final Fantasy spinoff. And there are Chocobos and shit in there, so, like, you can... And I think there's Moogles in there, too, at some point, so you can definitely mm-hmm. tell. Um, Zach, this is just a Game Boy Zelda game with some light RPG elements added to it. I I am baffled. Like, I always had heard that reference before. 
I was shocked by how much this is just a Zelda game. Is it a good Zelda game? Yes, I mean, in a I lot guess of... don't. I guess don't spoil your RPG rewind. <laughs> well, like, I, I won't, but like, I will say, it's it's lighter on the Zelda than you would like. The dungeons are pretty simple, but you do end up getting like, like there are dungeons where you get new weapons to equip to your character's weapon slot, and each of those different weapons have different abilities that will let you progress in different parts of the world. So, for example, early on, you get a axe, and that lets you cut down trees that are blocking your way. Hmm. And it kind of replace Like, instead of having different items, you... Well, you do have some items that, that are, like, keys, and, like, you have, like, pickaxes that'll break rocks and stuff like that. It really does feel like a kind of less polished Zelda-type clone with, like, actual, like, RPG numbers and stats and stuff going into to the point where I, I think if you like the, I, I think if you like Link's Awakening and the Oracle games, this is probably the closest thing on that platform to those, actually. Interesting, but with a little bit of Final Fantasy flair to it. Oh yeah, and um, you can tell there's a point it's like very early on in the game where there's just someone who is a red mage that just joins you. Hmm. Um, they reuse a lot of the NES Final Fantasy sprites. To be fair, I don't think they're the exact same sprites. I think they were touched up, so they looked better for the Game Boy's limited color schemes and stuff. Um, so far, I have definitely seen town NPCs that are just the white mage. Uh, there's one character that is just the red mage. Uh, the dwarves look exactly like the dwarves from Final Fantasy III. Uh, the chocobo sprite is just the chocobo, so, yeah. Hmm. It's really neat. I like it a lot. I'll probably check it out at some point. Not exactly what I mean when I say a Zelda RPG, but it's a nice, uh, a nice, interesting mix from what I hear. Yeah, and for for one of the first couple games that tried to do Japanese action RPG type deal, it it's pretty good. Like in terms of handling those, where. It's mostly, a, it, it, it honestly mostly feels like a Zelda game, but the stats matter enough that if you put all of your points into, like, boosting your MP, you're gonna notice your sword swings are taking a little bit to catch up. Um, it's, it's really interesting. So yeah, I, I like it a lot. Um, I can't wait to actually go back and go through it. And it, uh, honestly, too, it's a Game Boy game, so it's really fucking short. Uh, I beat about one-third of it in one afternoon, so... I'm definitely looking forward to your RPG Rewind, so... I'm excited, too. Hey, you that, speaking that of... That was really good. I, mean, I, I know, no, I, I had problems with it, but it's fine. Speaking of videos we make that are good, you made a .hack video. Oh, shut up. Yeah, no, tell everyone. This is your outlet. Fuck off now. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I talked before on the podcast about trying to do, like, a dot .hack thing. Um, it wasn't the one I planned. Uh, I kind of... When writing the script for the dot .hack sign video, it I, I couldn't get what I wanted to say out without it being bogged down by other dot .hack stuff. So I, I made a, a post on Twitter where it was just like, hey, which of these two videos should I make? And... One of them was like a dot .hack beginner's guide, <laughs> um, and that's the Gee, one. Gee, I, I wonder where you got that idea from. I know. Hey, man. Hey. 
Uh, I won't deny that uh, you were an inspiration to me in some oh, regards. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, it was just uh, it was just a series overview. It, it was a series overview, and I talked about good entry points for beginners. So I have some problems with the video myself, uh, but as a first video, it, it came out okay, I think. Um, so now if you you're need interested, to start a podcast. You say that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, no. There have been talks, but if that ever comes to something, I'll I'll, uh, I'll let you know. Oh, jeez. Um, Zach, I need to be your guiding inspiration in life. Don't have it be silly <laughs> about that hack. It's not. It won't be. Don't become the dot hack guy, Zach. I won't. <laughs> Look I at think, me. I'm a I broken think, man. <laughs> I think there's already dot hack guys out there, so that market's filled. But that being said, no, yeah, if you're interested in listening to this and, like, if you've ever said, boy, dot hack sounds interesting, but I have no idea where the fuck to start or what any of this garbage is, you can give my video a watch if you want, because, hey, dot hack is convoluted and stupid, so. Pull out my picture of the demi fiend every night from under my pillow and just cry. You should. Yep. I'll pull out my picture of Kite. <laughs> but which one am I talking about? Ooh. Oh, no. Watch this video to find out more. Oh, yeah. No. No, it's, um, the reception has been pretty positive. I'm happy. And, um, you know, I, I had small time goals for that and I, they've been met. What I was hoping it to do has already happened. So that's good. Yeah. My goal was to get to a hundred views on it and it's already almost there. So mm -hmm. I'm happy with that. That's good. It feels good. Doesn't it? When it's all said and done and people comment on it. It does. Yeah. I like yeah. it. It's I the... probably I probably would not have made that video if I haven't enjoyed doing stuff on your channel. So yeah, see that's the thing. It's it gets to a point where you start to chase the dragon, yeah. and then you get busy, and then you can't do it as often as you'd like to, and it becomes very frustrating. But that's besides the point. Yeah, to break it down a little bit, I do have problems with my video. Um, I I'm not good at reading a script. That took me a while. Because it was really hard to not sound like a 13-year-old reading their book report in front of the class, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that took a while. And if you pay attention, there's parts where I'm clearly fumbling words and say things wrong. And at some point, I, I actually re-recorded the first three minutes of it just because it came out really bad the first time. I fun fact about script reading that I always think of when I'm reading them now. So I think I said like a while I I for like the last little bit of my stay at college I found like a gig doing like um like video production stuff as like a full thing, and I needed to train myself to when reading a script and then when fucking up to not immediately go fuck or damn it because I was now in a professional setting where people were in the room next door. <laughs> Nice. And luckily, luckily, I thought of that before that became an issue. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really awkward learning how to not do that because for years I just been saying "ah shit" whenever I fucked up. So I had one of the funniest moments ever, and I posted it on Twitter, but then I deleted it. Um, it was me trying to say the phrase "another birth is another novel series." <laughs> <laughs> and I kept saying a novel nother. <laughs> and That'll Rosin, happen, yeah. Rosin, I did it like four times in a row. <laughs> and then I just started cracking up. 
So that See, was fun. That's why you gotta include a blooper reel. Well, I've, I have that saved, so... Um, yeah, I think probably in retrospect, the only thing that I think maybe not was not the best idea was the fact that my first video was a 30-minute video, including footage from, like, 16 different sources. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe I should have started off a bit smaller, but whatever. Sometimes all you need is a bunch of Google Image pictures and Comic Sans. No, see, I needed the footage, because then they wouldn't appreciate what I was talking about. See, you know, to this day... It got my video blocked. <laughs> yeah. To this day, I still have... So, I made that stupid SMT guide using Comic Sans just to, like, get a, ri- like a rise out of people. Yeah. I did not realize how seriously some people took took the Comic Sans thing. Yeah, some people actually care. Well, like, there's this one fucking dude on Reddit who, like, I can't remember, I think his name's, like, Tenek or some shit. Like, every single time he, like, posted about the guide or whatever, he's like, oh, or, like, or, like, if someone, like, made another, because, like, there have been people that have made, like, more, like, better and updated guides or whatever, which, like, you know, good, honestly. Um, and every single time he'd comment something like, oh, thank God, this one doesn't have Comic Sans. And I'm like, dude, it's been years, and I did it to piss people <laughs> off on purpose, let it go. I don't know. F- fuck that guy, though, because he also posted on, like, one of our old WAFs, like, I don't know if we're ever going to get SMT Apocalypse, so what does uh-huh. he know? Calling hey. people out on WAF. Hey, I wish he was right. Oh. Oh. I I finished that game on here. I don't know if you ever did. Yeah. This is kind of kind of a letdown. I have disliked that game the more time I put between it. I made a dumb blog post that was like ranking the Megaton mainline games and like that one was pretty low on that list. It's you know what bothers me about it so much is I feel like if that game was about anything else, I could have taken the more kind of generic kooky anime thing they went with it. But it's the fact that it's so kooky anime. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's fucking garbage. Like if that game had been the tone of Devil Survivor two, you've you've pl- yeah you've played that game. Yeah. I would have. <laughs> that was my introduction. Yeah, that's that's why I immediately was like, "Oh yeah, that's how we fucking met." Um, I would have been fine with it, but like, literally, like they went more generic than fucking devil. Like they went full power of friendship anime garb. Like it, they, they it's went pretty baffling. Power of friendship in a way that is not only boring but also like kind of insulting to me as a human. Yeah, I can feel that. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about it on this podcast before, so there's no, like, I don't need to go super into it, but just, like, that game is so watered down and dumbed down and, like, basic anime bullshit. I will say, I do generally enjoy the gameplay over fours. I like the changes a lot. I know you have beef, I know you have beef with, like, the dying doesn't mean anything anymore, but, like... Yeah, yeah, so, like, the thing is, I, I think that gameplay is almost, like, near immaculate, I think it is balanced beautifully, and all of my problems before have been resolved. I think it's completely undermined by the fact that death has no penalty. 
I I feel like so here's my thing is I eventually came to the point where I was saving so much in four that that became negligible like as a difference to me if that makes yeah. sense. I I think my main issue with that is like yeah they had a chance to fix that problem and they made it worse. I can feel that. I guess like it didn't end up like at first for a while I was kind of with you but then after a point I'm like eh I didn't I don't know it 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 became fine with me so. But yeah. I just feel like it doesn't bother me as much in 4 because 4 is kind of bullshit in terms of gameplay. Yeah. But, like, Apocalypse is so close to being the perfect SMT battle system. And, like, they put so much effort into balancing that thing. Yeah. And then undermined it. I will say, though, I think that's my favorite mainline final boss. Sure, but in terms of creativity, it's been done before. Yeah, it has. And it was and it was way better integrated into the story the first time. Yeah, um, I'm not sure how I feel about the final form design-wise. I don't like it. Yeah, I, I yeah. But I, I feel like the writing and, like, the music and every, like, the gameplay mechanics of that fight are so fucking good. I mean, it's an atheist wet dream, you know? <laughs> it kind of is. Um, but yeah, uh, that's random SMT4 Apocalypse updates. Hey. <laughs> I've been poking it, I guess while we're on it, I've been poking at Persona 5 more, and like, I kind of wanted to get that game done by the end of summer. Um, I don't know if I'm going to beat that game by the end of the year, and honestly, I don't know if I mind. That's fair. I, um... Every time I go to that game, I just think about how fucking good that first arc was, and how I just don't care anymore. It, it never gets that good again. I, you know, so I know this is, this is kind of selfish, I think, from me. Like, I don't think this is a fair critique. Every time I look at, look or play that game, I'm kind of shocked it took this long to come out. <laughs> Like, I get it aesthetically, I get it from, like, an engine standpoint, and, like, they made all the demons again, and, like, all that art and all, is it new, and, like, getting, you know, everything looking and sounding and, play, like, the actual technical parts of that game are so fucking amazing, but, like... So, sh- sure, yes, that's true. On the other hand, it's a PS3 game. Yeah. And I don't even mean that in, like, oh, these graphics could be, like, no, literally, it's... It's a PS3 game that ended up getting ported to PS4 because it's so long. Slight perform. It, it's a, it's a Breath of the Wild situation. Is it even because I I've heard no real qualms about the PS3 version. Uh, I have a friend who doesn't have a PS4 and has been playing the PS3 version, and he said when he looks at footage of the PS4, it seems to be a little bit smoother and look a little bit better than what he's playing. But he said it's fine. Like it's fine. Yeah. Um. I think it does run at a slightly higher resolution, but, like, not one that you'd super know. I don't know, but from what I've heard, there is a slight difference, but not one you would probably super care about. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't, like... I don't know. It's a great game, but just a lot of the stuff I care about, I feel like we're done better in 3 and 4. Yeah, same. Um... And also, I, mean, I feel like with all of the characters, I can see the building blocks from previous games that they reduct tape together to make the new ones, and I'm having... That's kind of a bummer in a lot of cases. 
Yeah, I, I think my biggest issue with P5 is general lack of creativity in the sense of, like, story and character stuff. Because it's, it's so close to the to last two. And, look, hey, fuck it, last three, because Catherine counts. Yeah. It, that that team has one story. I, and you know what pisses me, like, well, not really pisses me off, but I feel bummed, is every fucking time I listen to a podcast or, like, anything from, like general gaming nerd podcast thing and they talk about persona 5 and how amazing it is and how it's the best one i can like they're the people that haven't been in the shit like we were like you know what i mean and i fucking wish i could have this experience with this game i'm just i'm too far in there and i can see all the cracks too well that if i had only played p3 and p4 like once and kind of just moved on to other fandoms i know i wouldn't be able to but I've been, like, I've been talking about P3 since, like, five years ago. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm too familiar and too close, I feel. And I it's hurting because of that, which kind of sucks. So I will say, in terms of, like, objectivity, I think, like, so, yeah, this is the same game. It's the same game. It's the best version of it, like, technically. Yeah. But I feel like the lack of creativity for me um, kind of negates that a bit. Because, mm-hmm. like, sure, it's the best version of a meal that I've had four times now. I also think that thematically this is the weakest one by far. It's definitely the least uh, consistent and coherent thematically. I also feel like a lot of the things we were being fed about how this is a game about breaking out of feeling stuck <laughs> in society was kind of bullshit. Yeah, no, it's not about I, that. I don't think that's what this game is. <laughs> um, so to be fair, there are some themes that come up towards the very end. Yeah. Um, and the pro- I mean, I know you've spoiled yourself on I, a lot of I, stuff. I've been spoiled and have also read up just a fair bit because yeah. I'm, I'm not one that's ever cared. To be fair, I knew basically all of P4 going into and I enjoyed yeah. that one, so. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's a little, you know. I, I enjoy my time with that game. It's going to be on my top 10 games of the year list. It's just probably going to be, like, in the middle of the list, you know? Same. I, like, I feel bad saying this. I think Player Unknown's Battlegrounds might be higher for me this year than P5. Oh, it's certainly higher for me. And that's pretty amazing. Like, that's a fucking early access multiplayer game. Like, that's yeah. super not my jam. And I so, I am actually mad at myself for making that statement, but, like, I, I can't deny how I feel, man. I had more yeah. fun with that one. It, I spent it, more time in PUBG than in P5 this year. Uh, I haven't. I've, I've definitely put more time into P5, but I beat it. So, the thing for me, honestly, is it comes down to, like, hey, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds is, like, super rough and kind of bullshit, and it's just one thing. But, like, it's an experience that I wasn't getting anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And Persona 5 is an experience I could get literally anywhere, and I have been getting for 10 years. Yeah. I am really happy Hoshino's not doing P6. Yeah. Which, I mean, so that's the thing. I still really liked Persona 5, and I'm really looking forward to Project Fantasy, whatever that turns out to be. Yeah. So, same. you know, even if that's just Fantasy World Persona, I'm fine with that. I'll, I like. That's the thing about Persona, like, we're being super critical, but, like, I enjoy it. It It's not creative or original, but it's still something I enjoy. And if 
he wants to keep giving me the same thing every five to ten years. Sure, I'll take it's it. It's a very frustrating eight out of ten for me. <laughs> yeah, like, I'll take it and enjoy it, but it's not going to impact me anymore the way it did ten years ago. I Like, I hate to say it too, but I've kind of been feeling like... I feel like the older I get, the little a little bit less each time these games resonate with me, just because I'm getting that much further away from my adolescence, you know? Which is especially a shame when you consider what this could have been. Yeah. So, that's been curious. Maybe it's time for me to finally sit down and fucking do a proper P2 run, because, like, you know... Same! Slightly older there, and maybe maybe now is where it would resonate with me a bit more, you know? P2 is the one that I know almost nothing about. I know... I, I, I know two things about Persona 2. I know that there's a character named Joker, and I know that there's a character named Blank that dies. Yeah. Um, I, I know a fair deal of Innocent Sin. I know the beginning of Eternal Punishment and the end of Eternal Punishment. I know almost nothing about that middle part, so... Yeah, um... I don't know, maybe at some point. I'm, I'm fucking... I started doing some certification, like class thing that my boss wants me to go through so like for the rest of the year i'm not gonna have super a lot of time and it's probably gonna be dedicated to like rpg rewind and video stuff but maybe next year i'll start that p2 run who knows um well don't forget sonic forces man oh yeah i'm game sharing that with antinomi dude that game's 40 bucks yeah, that's so. Hey, that's a fucking sign. <laughs> so that's all. That's a sign. Also, um, not gonna go super into this because, but there was a GameStop conference this uh, past week, and all of the GameStop store managers went to it. And my store manager came back, and he went. So I played Sonic Forces, and I went, yeah. And he went, oh, nice. Hey man, I got mine pre-ordered. Got that Persona Five bonus skin. Do you know if that comes with the digital one, too? I don't know. It's physical only. Oh, oh well. I'm sure that'll be the old... I... I... Mm, oh, eh, fuck it. Me and Antinomi are just gonna game share it. I don't feel like spending more than 20 on that game. I'll stream it. I'm gonna stream that fucking game. I've yeah. decided. You're gonna stream the whole game? Yep. <laughs> I also decided I was gonna stream uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite Story Mode, so... Huh. Got a lot of fun. streams coming up. Yeah. Speaking of streams... Um, I might stream some stuff coming up, so I was thinking about streaming, uh, XCOM 2. Which oh, I that Mario play- Cross Rabbids game. Hey, yeah, so that I was gonna, I was gonna lead into XCOM 2 for Mario Cross Rabbids, but then the Zelda RPG connection was too strong. Wait, hold on, I'm getting another text. Yeah? Oh, my mom told me to have a good night. She's a good woman. Oh, tell yeah. your mom I said good night. Okay. Um, oh, she'll think I'm talking about the stoner Zach, I know. Nice. Uh, so yeah, I've been playing some XCOM 2, and I've been, like, glancing occasionally to the side at that new expansion. So if I ever dive in on that expansion, I'll probably stream XCOM 2. Nice. I've heard really good things about that expansion. So when I learned that there is now a bond system... And that your soldiers create bonds between each other. I had I I think it might be fun to name all the soldiers after like my Twitter friends and you know see what bonds form between like Trick and Antinomi. It'd be a fun time. Yeah, 
Maybe I'll stream that at some point uh, next week when I have a little bit more free time. Yeah, that's all. That's all I was going to... Because, uh, yeah, XCOM 2, I've played that before, so I know, but I've just been getting back into it. Speaking of dying... Yeah, speaking of death... Let's check back in on the Karanokyokai frenzy. <laughs> once a week, it's going to... Yeah, once a week. Once a podcast. I... Whenever I have a free day, I actually just plan on going through the whole bit of the last few. Um, yeah. I actually was going to do that starting with 3, but after I watched the first part of 3, I'm like, I need to do something else today. I, I've I've had enough of Cardo Kyokai for the day. It's Yeah, it's a rough one. <laughs> Woo! That was quite the... Actually, yeah, I'm going to just give a fair warning. Fucking, if you're going to watch Cardo Kyokai, please be warned that 3 goes very heavy into the sexual assault. Um, yeah, th- so I was, I gave that same warning last time. I tried to be subtle about it, and then I realized that I really shouldn't. Like, hey, legitimate, like, actual trigger warning for rape. It just starts on a fucking rape scene. It's <laughs> pretty rough. Yeah. Um, that is a weird-ass movie. Yeah. Um, because it goes from, oh, God, there's this gang of people that are raping this woman, and then it goes to, oh, the woman is, like, a serial killer? And they need to protect the rapists from being murdered by her, but fuck those guys, though. And that it gets really fucking weird. Um, there is at least, thankfully, the point where everyone involved with the situation was like, why aren't we just letting these fuckers die? They're monsters. And I was like, okay, they at least acknowledge that thank you yeah yeah no it's 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 not an issue of what we need to protect the rapists from the girl that's trying to kill because for a little bit it looks like it and it got me worried (laughs) yeah yeah no 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 it's it's specifically about we don't want her to become a killer you know yeah like um i thought it was very interesting how they well actually it's not even the story itself it is shiki saying this is basically my rival. Like, yeah. You and I are the same. Um, and it's very interesting how they parallel off one another. Um, and, like, a lot of that movie is her, like, very clearly probably being able to kill her, like, pretty quickly. But she's kind of trying to convince her before she does that, hey, I just want you to know the reason that I'm after you isn't, like, because anything personal but like you also very clearly enjoy killing as much as i do and that's a problem (laughs) sort of thing because she very clearly does not have a very like graspable handle on reality (laughs) um yeah yeah the the it this the movie is it's one of the darker in tone because of that. And like I said last time, the, the rape stuff is not handled as well as it could be. It's, it's not, not... It's not the worst. It's not Game of Thrones. But it's also not the most tactful. And yeah, it, it's... So the problem with... The problem... <laughs> the problem with Kenoku Nazu and rape, because guess what? There's rape in all of his stories. And that's that's the thing you'll you'll frequently hear about him in terms of because like fate has it like uh, but yeah everything the, he does the has problem rape. with that's Nasu the yeah yeah the problem with Nasu and rape is that he is constantly 
wrapping it up in other supernatural bullshit. Yeah. And it becomes so, like, hmm, you know, like... <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's to a point where it's, like, I feel like that could have been excised completely and, like, she could have just gotten mugged. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. very... It, because... Like, it was very out of place and very off-putting, but I, I enjoyed the rest of the movie, but that was a very uncomfortable mm, over the whole thing where it's, like really feels like this movie is and like it's super not and if you watch it it's super not but like if you were to describe this movie it's woman gets raped and then the other characters have to kill her because reasons and it's really fucking awkward yeah it's it's not a comfortable watch at all it's not so the one thing i will say is that it's intentionally not yeah it's it's supposed to be a dark, uncomfortable movie, and you're supposed to be watching the unraveling of a character with both, like, physical and mental issues occurring. hmm And again, it's when it gets wrapped up in, like, this supernatural bullshit of, like, well, she actually has this going on. It's, it's like, okay, um, so which one's the important one? Is it the rape or is it the supernatural bullshit, you know? Yeah. And uh it kind of makes you wonder why why they did it why he did it the way he did. Um and unfortunately that is uh not to get super into too many spoilers, but hey, you looking forward to that heavens fail? Yeah, I already I know the shitty parts of that already. Yeah. Um <laughs> so Yeah. Uh, it's a thing. Also, on that note, talking about prototype characters which is one of the most fun parts of Karen Kai. that character that, that character is proto sakura that i was wondering that the whole movie yeah um that character is proto sakura down to the rape yeah like it's pretty not tasteful through the whole thing nope um there, there's a point where, like, the dude is, like, describing, like, yeah, she wasn't feeling any pain, so it wasn't any fun, and the other, like, like, uh, what's it, uh, Micaiah, is that his name? Yeah. Is, is legit just, like, just shut the fuck up, and at that yeah. point I was like, okay, they at least are gonna acknowledge that this person is a piece of shit that probably does deserve to die. Yeah, um, abs- absolutely. I, yeah. I, I liked that moment for that character because there's that one and then there's another one where where they do talk about later where he was like, honestly, he, he doesn't really care that they if died. He died. Yeah. yeah, but the problem is she could continue killing other people after she's done killing them. Yeah, the the problem is that she's become out of control. Yeah. And to be fair, at the end, when she gets to, like, a really bad mental place, like, a huge catastrophic thing happens, and if that happened in, like, an urban area, that would have been really bad, probably, so. Yeah. But yeah, uh, not a comfortable watch, and I probably would not recommend that movie to most people, but if you're interested in the rest of the series, I mean, it's kind of important, I have to assume, to watch the third movie. So the third movie is probably 
if you're super uncomfortable with seeing rape but want to watch the rest of Karen Kyokai, I would say you could skip it. Um, okay. That's good, at least. It, it's it's worth watching to get the whole picture, but if you super don't want to but want to watch the rest, you can. Um, I would say other than, like, three and six are the ones that, like, you don't lose too much. Six is uh, bad. I don't like six. Shiki is still really great. She's so fucking cool. She's my Skype avatar. Um, and mine is another character, Kokai character, because guess what? I decided to rewatch the movies because uh, of yeah. them. I rewatched one through four. I'm going to rewatch five as soon as I get some free time. I'm excited to watch that one because it has my name in it. Yeah. So, in credit scenes, post credit scenes. Yeah, I started watching those. So okay, I, watched, I don't I remember. I don't three. remember what's the one at the end of three, but I know uh, that the one at the end of four is important. Okay. So yeah, that's going. Um, oh, how do you like the um, the the other characters now? Because you because you didn't like anyone but Shiki before. Um. Well, I think it wasn't so much I disliked everyone else. It's just I didn't know enough about them, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I, I like Micaiah more. He's very clearly... Is he proto-Shiro a little bit? No. I think you've said... Uh, okay. There is a proto-Shiro. Okay. Um, at least in terms of visuals, there's a proto-Shiro. Mikia okay. is... Mikia is half proto-Shiro, half proto-Shiki from Tsukihime. Okay. Oh god, that's confusing. Hey. I think Shiki would be proto Shiki. Yeah, but she um, is. No, nice. Um, no, just because like the only thing I got because like there's that point in the second movie where he's like um, super convinced that she's not the killer based off no reason other than like he likes to see the good in her. Like but, he, he but, has hey. like an idealism that Shiro kind of carries to let's let's break that down he's convinced she's not the killer because he has a crush on her yeah that's fair um he's uh no i like him i don't so, know much so about the thing about movie two to keep in mind too is that they are teenagers yeah they're, they're, they're kids in high school in movie two and the rest of the series they're adults yeah. You know, late, like, I don't know the exact ages, but, like, they're out of high school age, you know? Well, uh, Mikia says, uh, when he's talking to that one dude, um, that he learns about the Kita situation with, that he dropped out of college recently and got into a huge fight with his parents over it. Yeah. And that's why he wasn't asking them for money. So, like, they're, they're, they have to be, like, college aged, which makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um, you'll, you'll, I mean,. If you really want to look into it, there are dates at the start of each one. So. Yeah, that's true. So. Um, so, hey, also, you start to see how, like, movie three is set before movie one. Yeah. that That's starting to play off better, because you see why her arm gets fucked up in this one. Yeah. So stuff like that does start to... That's finally starting to play for me, and it's not as... So un, here, here's like, the fun part. Mm -hmm. Movie four is going to be your final piece that okay. places it all together because starting from movie five, they just become chronologic. Okay. That's so, fair. Yeah. Mo movie four is between two and three. Mm -hmm. And then 
five is after one, and then it's just five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Uh, I like Smoker Lady so far, but I don't really, I don't even remember her name. She's super cool. That's my avatar. Uh, Tokyo. Tokyo. Yeah. Tokyo. 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 I, I am looking forward to seeing how she gets involved, because I'm sure that'll be in movie four, because that's after two, right? Yep, she plays heavily into uh, four and five. I, I figured that she'd be explained at some point. Because yeah. she's kind of there, and then in the past she's not. And then well, she's one, their she boss, you know? Yeah, so I'm like, there's going to be some point where they meet up. So I'm yeah. excited to see how that happens. She runs a cool magic shop tech t- agency thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, as far as I know, 3 is where the name Mystic Eyes of Death Perception first get dropped. <laughs> Which is still my favorite thing. <laughs> um, it's so stupid. I love it so much. And the effect is so goofy. I love it. No, oh, man, you you see death. Yeah. You can Twist. perceive death. Twist! Oh. I, 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 yeah, I love the stupid poetic language of, like, I could see the, the death in your beautiful telekinetic strands. <laughs> It's like this is goofy as fuck. I, I, I don't it. remember where her famous line comes from about what about how she can kill anything. I don't remember if it's in three. Uh, oh, is that where she says like I can kill even a god or something like that? Yeah, she has yeah, that's in she three. has this dumb famous line of like I can kill anything, even if God's alive, I can kill it. It's like oh. <laughs> Yeah, I think in the subs I was watching, it was like, I can kill anything, comma, even a god, or something. Yeah, like in the ones I'm familiar with, it's, I can kill god if he exists. <laughs> it's pretty good. Now, Shiki's still my favorite, though I, I do like the supporting cast. It's, like I said yeah. just before, I just didn't have enough context to, like, I don't know why I should care about them, you know, so. Yeah, totally, totally. I, I think you'll like uh, Smoker Lady. She's cool. I like the little character bit where um she's like, how the fuck are you going to find the person you need to, like, take down if I don't give you their photo? And she's like, I'll know. And then she just walked out. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, Karno Kyokai continues to be good. I feel like if 5 is as good as people tell me it is. I feel like your expectations have been built up now. Yeah, they have been. Five is a okay, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna cue you into something. Five is weird. Okay. Five is weird and experimental. Okay. Um, the more I watch this, though, so like, I mean, I I did enjoy this movie despite the heavy <laughs> content. Yeah. Um, I do say though, in a weird way, I think this is slowly starting to overtake unlimited. Or sorry, it's slowly starting to ta- overtake zero. I don't know. I'm very flip floppy on whether or not I like Zero or Unlimited Blade Works more because I yeah. still kind of maintain that I think the first part of Unlimited Blade Works was a little weak to me, but I yeah. liked the last part a lot, and sure. Zero was just consistently good. Um, but this is slowly working its way up to being well. Like I definitely like this more than the first half of Unlimited Blade Works. I think I'm starting to like it more than Zero, but not as much as the later stuff in Unlimited Blade Works. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> Man, you're in there. This this is, like, pure Titan Moon, so... Yeah. It, honestly, like, 
This is going to sound a little goofy. I kind of dig seeing this sort of world building and wacky shit without the servant stuff being kind of the content. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fate is... It's so weird because fate has overtaken so much. But, like... I, I always felt like fate was a good chapter, but not the best starting point, you know? It, because, like, they... They've meant like there are ghosts. I think they mention demons at some point, uh, and this girl just straight up has like ESP. Like, it's it's such a fucking yeah. smorgasbord. Like she pulls out a, like a Ouija board that she bought off of Amazon or some shit. Well, like not Amazon because that didn't exist yet. But like she spent her money on some Ouija board, and she's like, it has latent magical powers, and it's like they just have everything here. I love it. Yeah. For sure. uh, and that's part of why um, I, I loved the fl- the little two-episode flashback arc in Fate Zero is because those two episodes felt more like... Uh, like just a vampire story. Yeah, and it felt more well, like non-Fate one. type moon, you know? Because yeah. that, like, that's the kind of shit you'd see in Tsukihime or Karen or Kirikai. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really starting to dig this, though. Nice. So, well, I mean, I I already dug it, but like I'm start like I keep liking what I see of this story more and more. Yeah. I'm curious to see how the multiple personality thing plays out, and the final like the episode preview for this one kind of hinted that something's going to happen with that in movie four. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah, totally. Because that's not been brought up, you know, since two. Yeah. It wasn't brought up in one or three. Yeah, so I'm curious to see what the fuck is up with that. Though, so, my interpretation was that it wasn't brought up in one, but then there's that one point where she's talking with the ghost in the rooftop, and she just, like, gets the crazy eyes going, and she's like, guess I'm gonna have to fucking kill you or something like that. And retroactively, I was like, oh, that's the other personality taking over. (laughs) So, we'll see. But, yeah, in 3, I didn't notice anything, so... Um... She seemed pretty samey throughout, so... Do you remember how 2 ended? Um... With... All I remember is her, uh... With the knife at Micaiah's throat and crying. Yeah. There there was a little extra thing, but... Oh, was it the car? Yeah. Okay. That was in the episode preview, too, so I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? The fun thing, I didn't realize that was her until that episode preview. What was her? Uh, getting struck by the car. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because... I, th- I actually think episode two doesn't show it. I think episode two cuts to black and you hear a car noise, if I remember correctly. It, it, they show a person that has her hair going in front of a car and it cuts to black, but then episode four has her clearly on a stretcher, and I think they referenced something, and I think they cut to that again, and I was like, oh, like, there was enough in that episode preview where I'm like, oh, that thing was her. I, for some reason, but, like, in episode two, I didn't even realize that was her. I just saw, like, oh, that's the hair, but, like, I, I never thought that was supposed to be her. I don't know, so. It's weird, but. Yeah. Yeah, episode, so episode four is, like, the shortest one, so. Okay. I often, like, when I do chronological watches, I often just consider, like, two and four one thing. Oh. 
All right, so you know who also makes weird world-building, surreal, unexplainable things? Who? A man by the name of David Lynch. Oh boy, who I've now considered the more I've thought about this a lot today. I think that David Lynch is American Nasu. Fuck off. Can fight me on this. I feel like both fan bases will be angry at you for that one. <laughs> Probably. It's also the worst comparison ever. So you you know you honestly want to know the only <laughs> the only comparison I can really draw between the two. They yeah. both write dialogue in a way that I I'm convinced <laughs> neither of them have ever talked to a goddamn human being in their lives because no fucking people talk the way they write characters. He wanted to save the girl. Yep. Damn good coffee. Um, so I've heard a lot about Twin Peaks in my life. Yeah. Um, like a lot. Uh, my cousin really, really fucking loves Twin Peaks, and my sister's also a very big fan. Like, actually, fun story. Uh, when I wanted to watch the series, because for the longest time when my sister still lived with us before, you know, she went to college, moved out, all that... I remember as a kid in like our like in the computer room we have like a rack of like family movies or whatever and just all of the movies that like I never bought you know everyone else's movies just go there for the longest time we had a VHS box set that was just every Twin Peaks episode from season 1 and 2 and I actually went back in there the other day when I was like I'm finally going to fucking watch this thing um just to see if we still have that box set but I, I'm pretty sure my sister took it when she moved out finally so um, and I was like, I just want to watch this fucking thing on VHS just to get the 90s, ex- you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but sadly, I couldn't do that, so I bought the Blu-ray. Actually, one thing I do want to say, the reason I decided to watch it was because I figured I finally... the Blu-ray? Yeah. Isn't it just on Netflix? So here's the story behind that, because that's going to factor into it. Oh, okay, go ahead. Um, I decided I wanted to watch Twin Peaks finally because season three just ended and I've seen every fucking reaction under the sun from this is the best goddamn thing that's ever been on television to fuck David Lynch. All of this was bullshit. It means nothing. People that like this are fucking idiots. Like I have seen the whole gambit of reactions to this thing and I just kind of want to see at this point. Um, I originally intended actually earlier in the year to just watch Twin Peaks and be caught up in time for, um, season three, and that just kind of never happened. Um, so I was like, yeah, so like, yeah, I kind of said, yeah, fuck it. Uh, oh, we don't have the VHS tapes, so I just immediately went on my phone, bought the Blu-ray. Um, literally when I opened the package and held the Blu-ray in my hands, I saw, I thought, wait, isn't this on Netflix? (laughs) Like, I just kind of (laughs) forgot. And I know I've talked to people previously that are like, yeah, it's on Netflix, so I don't know what I was thinking, but I have it now. Um, But yeah, I, uh, and to be fair, from what I know, apparently, actually, the Blu-ray remaster of it is actually better quality than the Netflix stream. Oh, Um, there you go. And also, it does come with Firewalk with me and all of the deleted scenes from Firewalk with me. Which were released, like, two years ago. 
Yeah, do, do you know the story behind that? I, I looked it up. They turned it into, like, a separate movie. Yeah. There was a French company that somehow got the rights after it was released on home video to all deleted footage from Firewalk With Me. And it was a fucking fiasco for years for that to be able to become, like, released. Uh, they, like, they Lynch finally got the rights back at some point recently. So, yeah, it, there's, like, a separate disc that's, like, Twin Peaks colon The Missing Pieces. Apparently, there's a fan edit online that just takes it all and converts it into one full movie. Mm. And it actually, like, literally, The Missing Pieces are just... These are scenes that fit super well into Firewalk with me that were just cut for whatever reason. Um, I don't know all the fucking details because I mean I don't know a lot about Twin how Twin Peaks goes. So <laughs> interesting. Um, but apparently it fits together super well to the point where I know some people are like, "Don't even watch Firewalk with me; just watch the fan cut." Uh, I might just watch Firewalk with me, then the missing pieces, then watch the fan cut just to get the. I, I, I think you'll probably not. <laughs> oh, really? I, I mean, like, I, I think it's going to be a one or the other situation. I don't see you watching Firewalk with me three times. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it could it could also be a situation, too, where it's like, if I ever feel the need to read... Because, I mean, kind of like, you go back and watch Karno Kyokai chronologically, maybe it's like, when I feel like revisiting this, yeah, I'll sure. take this route, you know? I, I'll probably do that. Um, the, uh, only thing, well, okay, I have a lot to say about Twin Peaks, actually, that's a fucking lie. Um, but yeah, I, I've always known of Twin Peaks just because it's super influential. I feel like some of the effect is a little bit lost on me because I'm so familiar with, like, Deadly Premonition being the big one and, you know, like... A lot of the surreal elements of Twin Peaks have kind of become pop culture to this point, to the point where a lot of what was I wanted... Because this was like 92, right? Super early 90s, yeah. Super early 90s. I, I know it was before I was born. Because um, I know even it's it's before my sister's time, all things considered. She got into it later, I know. Yeah. Um... I feel like a little bit of the effect has been dampened <laughs> watching sure, this in yeah. 2017. Um, Especially because e even if you don't know much about Twin Peaks, the fact that it gets weird is known. Yeah. I'm um, sure you've seen The Red Room, you know? I've seen The Red Room. I've seen the strobe light Laura freaking out and like w walking like a zombie and then screaming in the camera scene. Yeah. Um, I've seen some stuff with that dude in, like, the denim jacket. Like, I've seen some of the jump-scary moments. Um, which actually, I was shocked one happens as early as episode two, and it actually super caught me off guard. Oh, you wanna fucking know? Um, there's a point where, um, the log lady is introduced, and she's flickering the lights, and my kitchen light blew out in real <laughs> life. Scared the fuck out of me. Um, man, I'm sure I've told this story a million times on this podcast alone, but when I was playing through Silent Hill 2 the first time, and I first saw Pyramid Head in the apartments, and my fucking power went out. Oh, that's good. <laughs> um, that being said, though, actually, speaking of Log Lady, um, I've been enjoying the surreal shit just because of how fucking goofy it is. 
Like, literally, it's just, who's that lady? Oh, we call her the log lady. And she's just off in the corner, like, flicking the lights on and off. Like, that's fucking hilarious. That's so good. Um, Like, the whole thing with uh, Dale Cooper and the coffee. Which also, by the way, I think I it took me this long, and I'm actually kind of embarrassed to admit, I never really... I always wondered why my sister named her Beagle Cooper. <laughs> I think I finally understand now. Oh, she really likes Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, no, she... So, actually, that's one thing that I do want to start this off with. Um, I asked her a little bit growing up, like, like what what's so special about it? Like, you know, what, what's the deal or whatever, other than the fact it gets weird? And she basically told me something like, it's a drama about suburban life that gets dark in a way that, like, I enjoyed a lot. Um... Not to get too personal, my, and, well, I guess by extension, her domestic situation has not always been the greatest growing up. And I can say that because no one is in this house right now. Woo! Um, and also just the fact we live in a small town in the middle of nowhere with some weird fucking drama that, I mean, it's a small town, there's always weird fucking drama. And just weird, quirky characters. I could see how a young her could relate to it. So in a weird way, as I watched these early episodes, I I got the appeal through her eyes, and that was kind of a a, a nice experience for me, I'd say. Um, Which was really interesting. Um, Other than that, though, I've only watched, like, the first two episodes. It's... This is the goofiest fucking cheesiest comparison i can make but i i really have to forgive me on this i have no better vocabulary it reminds me of being a middle schooler watching evangelion for the first time and knowing that it has a reputation and knowing that there's a masquerade going on for the earlier part of the series where they don't quite get there yet and it's just a matter of me being like okay when do they get to the shit you know like, I'm waiting for it. Uh, yeah, it's it's just quirky and goofy right now, and, uh, I mean, I'm enjoying it. I know that, like, Lynch, Lynch fans are interesting, because I know that there's a lot of people, like, I mean, even without the whole, like, recent controversial seemingly ending of season three... Um, I know there's a lot of people that are just like, it's weird for the sake of being weird, or there's a lot of people that are like, no, everything in this series has meaning. So, um, so here's the thing about that. Yeah. Um, I fall pretty squarely in the middle. I, it's kind of weird you say that, because I've kind of, even the first two episodes, I'm like, I'm sure there's a lot of this that are just like, ah, let's fuck with them, but there, there's a few things where like, um... There's a there's a few ominous shots of just weird shit where I'm like I feel like he's hinting at something. There's a very peculiar um traffic light shot that lingers for longer than I feel comfortable with where it just slowly goes from green to yellow to red and I'm like that's something. <laughs> so, I I feel like David Lynch is an interesting man. Mm-hmm. He's a man that I feel like sometimes has something to say, sometimes doesn't. And I feel like he'll never let you know which is which. To where, even if he has a point to make in his things, and not just like a point to make or something to say, even if his weird stuff adds up to something, he does not feel obligated to give you any hint to what it adds up to. Mm -hmm. And that creates a lot of interesting fan theory stuff. Um, 
I personally find it a little frustrating sometimes because I do feel a lot of it is weird for the sake of weird. And mm-hmm. I think, like, sometimes he's just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. Do you know the deal with um, production errors in Twin Peaks? I know the fact that the killer is revealed at some point, and he and Mark Frost never intended that to happen, and it kind of led to some really shit episodes. That's all I know. So, I don't think it's exactly that, and I don't even know if I want to tell you, because it'll paint how you view some things. Okay. It's, yeah, I I get people that know what I'm talking about know it's very well publicized at this point. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, common knowledge, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. If anything, I'll, I'll tell you after if you want. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll probably, because, like, I'll probably make pretty good progress on this just because I, I am enjoying watching it, and I'll, you know, I can get the details then. Yeah. Right now I'm, right now I'm fairly positive on it. I um, enjoyed my time with it, for what it's worth. I, I, yeah. I, I watched this years ago now, um... I don't really remember a whole lot from it, but I remember enjoying it. I never got to the end of season two, though. Oh, uh, to add to, actually, I was going to say, to add to what diluted me uh, further in terms of reaction, uh, I've, at two separate points in um, my life in high school, I was over at a friend's house, and he was like, hey, you want to watch this Eraserhead movie? It's supposed to be really fucking weird. I was like, yeah, sure. And then it was like, yeah, that's really fucking weird. And then, like, two years later, like, junior year, <laughs> um, I had the same thing where a different friend was like, hey, want to watch this weird-ass Mulholland Drive movie? It's supposed to be really fucking weird. And then, like, it, it wasn't until a few years after that where I'm like, oh, those are made by the same person. That explains a lot. <laughs> so I know a lot of people Twin Peaks was their first Lynch thing. Well, I mean, yeah. culturally, too. I think it was one of his earlier things. Am, am I right? Or mm, I don't know. <laughs> okay, yeah. Because I, I know Eraserhead was kind of like more of like an art film thing that wasn't super in the public mind. I know Twin Peaks was like a phenomenon for a while there. Um, was so... it? I, I, always, I always thought Twin Peaks was like a cult classic thing. Huh, I don't know. I've had it described to me, to be fair, maybe this is just my sister being really into it, where she said, like, in the early 90s, it was all over, but then season two soured a lot of people. Uh, you know what? I think that might be it, yeah. Hey, to yeah. be fair, season two gets really bad. I've, I've like, that, that's, that's at least how I've had it explained to me, is, like, the killer got revealed, which wasn't supposed to happen, and it gets really bad, and then the final episode is really weird. That's all I know about it, so... Uh, yeah, I don't think that's 100% accurate. Okay. I think you, you, yeah, but you'll see. Okay. Yeah, um, it's cool so far. It's really weird because it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like I should have seen this forever ago, and I'm just like, yeah, it, I'm doing it now. I mean, it's, know, it's so. influenced a lot. Yeah. Although, to be fair, I do think some people get a little carried away with saying how much it's influenced things. I know it's influenced uh, Link's Awakening Majora's Mask, because the one guy said in an interview that yeah, he picked up a lot from those. But I mean, like, you'll see those people who are, like, similar to how, like... JoJo's. It, yeah, people get a little carried away with that JoJo being influential. There are people yeah. who, if anything is set in a small town, it's Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, yeah. 
Or, like, anything that's slightly weird I've seen, too. Twin Peaks! Like, yeah. So. But, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to, um continue watching i i really dug it so far oh uh the only other thing i have to say is i'm sure this is just an early 90s thing the fucking soundtrack has the same vibe to it as like a ps1 like resident evil game (laughs) and i can't stop thinking because like sometimes because part of it i think is just like they got b-tier actors and part of it is just like probably like they told them to like deliver lines in certain weird ways but it feels like this could be a ps1 game (laughs) nice sometimes and i can't shake the feeling i also remember feeling that like when i watched it i was like oh man this is so early 90s that it feels 80s oh yeah i I, i've definitely felt that with some things before dude like anything that's like 2007 to 2012 i like that's such a fucking blur of time to me you know (laughs) yeah decade transitions are weird like that i like i have a weird thing with film too where like i can tell when a movie was made in the 70s or the 80s but oh yeah absolutely like there's there was such a weird transition between those two decades, and then like eighties to nineties, you can still feel it, but like it's less so. Nineties to two thousands was another big fucking jump, but like I've started to feel we're starting to get into that blurry area again. Yeah, <laughs> happens in waves. But yeah, that's Twin Peaks. I'm gonna keep watching it. I'm excited to see all the weird shit. Uh. I can also feel how a lot of, like, plot threads are being left to dangle because they're like, hey, we can... I I honestly would not be surprised if they wrote that pilot and were then like, okay, we need to make a fucking TV-ass TV series. What's all of the loose ends that we can leave that we can then explore later on and make into something? (laughs) Because there's a lot of shit that's just thrown out there right away. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah. For what it's worth, I always found, like, I remember thinking that, like, the first two or three episodes were the strongest, so. Yeah, I'll see. I will see. It meanders a bit at times. Um, other than that, we had the combined experience of playing Gundam Versus. Yes. So, before that, do we want to talk about the Dissidia beta that we both hated? Sure. Hey, I fucking hate Dissidia NT. I played, like, two matches. I thought it was garbage, so I deleted it. We've, we both got codes for the closed beta, and, um... They're not feeling it. No, I really dislike it. Um, the control scheme is garbage. That's a it t- feels bad. The <laughs> interface is terrible. 3v3 is kind of not fun. 3v3 is a hectic mess that that game is not built for keep in mind this is coming from someone who really enjoyed the psp ones mm-hmm. um i had i had a lot of fun with those games same and, for what it's worth i mean i didn't get super to them but i i liked duodecim a fair bit yeah yeah um this game feels terrible it, it doesn't control well it controls and like, bad and, like, the control scheme is bad. And to be fair, sometimes those PSP games weren't the greatest either, but they felt better than this. They did, for sure. And 3v3 is such a mistake for this game. Yeah. It's such a hectic mess and you never know what's going on. Also, so so I compared 
the two quite a bit. And I think the thing I walked away with was I did not feel like I was playing as these characters. Like, I didn't feel like, yeah, I'm Cloud. But the minute I booted up Gundam Versus, it was like, I'm the fucking Gundam, you know? Like, yeah. It's such a difference, because they're very similar in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, um... They're both, like, more arena-based, like, team battle, where, like, they're, like, more than two players, and, like, like well, so, like pseudo-fighting games yeah. in a weird way. Like, Gundam Versus also has, like, sh- third-person shooter elements to it that are kind of in there. Um... Yeah, I I know I've talked about the Vita Gundam versus game, which was, from what I know, the only like that was the first English Gundam versus game we got. Maybe we got like one or two PS2 games, um, and I talked a little bit about it on the podcast uh, forever ago, and uh, I mean it's enjoyable for what it is, but also to like this is the real fucking deal. Uh, I know that to some extent they made this game to appeal a little bit more to Western sensibilities. Uh, like, this is kind of their, like, soft reboot of Gundam Versus, to the point where this is just titled Gundam Versus. Uh, but yeah, uh, you and I played, um, I streamed, and the stream archive's up, and a bunch of people that watched me stream played along with us, and uh, I played with Johnson. Yeah, it's just really fun. Yeah. It's good for right now, because it's kind of like... Like, we're we're both into Gundam right now, you know? I never stopped, baby. <laughs> yeah, but, like, Gundam has become, like, a thing on your channel now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Gunpla hasn't helped. That's that's kind of been a driving factor for it. Yeah. How's Zeta going, by the way? Oh, really good. I'm, uh, on, I think, episode 11. Okay, that, yeah, it's one-fifth mark, that's good, that's good. Yeah. like I said on the last podcast, I'm taking it slowly, I watch probably like an episode or two every other day. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying myself, uh, friend, female, not Fraubo character finally showed up again, so. Oh yeah, Fa. Fa, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Did, uh, did Quattro Bagina get his signature mobile suit yet? Oh yeah, baby. Oh, yeah, how you're liking the Hyakushiki. Oh, boy. So I did see it in Gundam Versus first. Yeah. Um. So I was kind of expecting it. But, what a uh, douche. That's a fucking mech, all right. What a douchebag. I like how they try to explain why it's fucking gold. Yeah, it's anti-beam paint. Fuck off. <laughs> but, so here's my problem. Why the fuck don't you have that on everything? I know! <laughs> no, man, it's expensive. Now, to be fair, if I recall, in, uh, they actually bring that back in 2016 because in Iron-Blooded Orphans, um, which is, to be fair, an alternate setting completely, they bring up a thing like all the mobile suits in that continuity have, like, anti-beam weaponry-like armor. So you need to get up close and fucking smash them with, like, clubs and shit if you want to do damage to a mobile shoot suit or do, like, big guns type thing. So it's, like, a lot grittier. So it's, like, I, I kind of like that they brought that idea back for something. But in Zeta, it's really goofy because it's, like, why the fuck wouldn't you do this for everything else? <laughs> uh, yeah. no. Has Jared done anything else yet? Uh, He's about. Yeah. 
there was a there was a lady, and then some things happened with the lady, and now he's kind of upset. Yeah. Camille and Jared have a very interesting rivalry that I don't think I've quite seen done exactly that same way in any other show. And I really, I, I think it might be my second favorite Gundam rivalry besides, like, the, the obvious Amuro and Char. <laughs> it goes really interesting places. Good. So, yeah, I'm glad you like it so far. Yeah, it's, can't uh, believe it's a series. Oh, yeah. Um, Haro, rather. Yeah. Har- no, Haru, the character of Persona. Yes. I'm trying to think if a certain thing's happened yet, but I think you would have referenced it if it happened, so I'm going to shut up now. Okay. Uh, but yeah. No, Gundam Versus is really good, though. I'm definitely picking that up day one. Hey, does it have any kind of single-player story mode type thing? I think there's, like, a general arcade mode. I'm not sure if there's a story. There might be. So, like, honestly, I, I'm still, like, I really want to get Gundam Versus, but I'm a little on the fence just because it's 60 bucks. It's kind of a yeah. lot. Um, but that's kind of my big thing with Dissidio, where, like, those PSP games were very, like, they had a story mode with, like, a world map and, like, all this content. And, like, I get that this one's based on an arcade game, so it's a bit more of, like, a fighting thing. Yeah. But it has no single player. Oh, I do. So this might not exactly be what you want, but I do know that there's co-op missions that I think you could also do single player. Where you have, like, a giant fucking mobile armor, like the Big Zam, or, like, other, like, that thing from the end of AthMS team, and you just have to fucking take it down. Okay, I mean, So yeah. there, there's, like, some versus AI type shit, but maybe not exactly what you're looking for. So do you know how the story in Dissidia works? Um, I played a little bit of Duodesums back in the day. Yeah, well, well yeah, yeah, so you, so you know that. Do you know how the new one works? No. Um, so I don't know... I figured it was just, like, an arcade versus setup. I didn't think there was one. Yeah, so so what they've said is that there will be an original story in there, but it's not a story mode. It's that every couple of matches you'll get a cutscene. Oh, yeah. That's happening more and more ever since, um, Titanfall 1 did a thing where the story mode for that game was literally the multiplayer with audio logs playing in the background. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if this is gonna be multiplayer or you have to do single player matches, but like, fuck uh, that. Yeah, that's goofy. Like, just make a story mode. Just make an arcade mode. Yeah. Yeah, no. So the whole fun of Dissidia for me is it being a big dumb crossover of Final Fantasy things. So if that's reduced to a cutscene every couple of matches, I'm. That's not worth 60 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Dissidia had, like, a story mode for every character. Unlockable characters. Like, unlockable story modes. No, it's fine. You know what else has a story? What? Final Fantasy IX. Oh, you're playing Final Fantasy IX again? So I booted up that Final Fantasy IX. How's that going? It's good. So, I've played Final Fantasy IX before, but I never got to finish it because my discs were all scratched up. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, buying used on eBay in, like, fucking 2003 was not the best. Uh, but, uh, 
You say that, but that's how I got my copy, and it works like a charm. Well, um, so I bought the PS3 digital version, like, years ago now, like 2012, when I was going through all these old games again. And uh, I've played Disc 1 of Final Fantasy 9 a decent handful of times. So going through it again is kind of like, yeah, this is it's this again. Um, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting to, like, 2, 3, and 4 now, because, like... I want to finish this game and see it in like its full context. It's a it's my favorite one. I feel like that story just hits everything I like about Final Fantasy stories. Yeah, it's really good. I know I know a lot of people have like gripes with that game that like layer on like some of the party members aren't the most relevant to the plot, the battle system. So I've never had this problem with this game. I know a lot of people though that are like, "Oh, the battle system's super fucking slow." Um, um, I have a solution for those people. The HD speed up thing? No, I don't know anything oh. about HD. Oh, you're not playing the HD PC port or whatever? Oh, no, no, yeah, no, like I said, I I have it on PS3. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 okay. But it's, it's like, hey, that game also allows you to up the battle speed. Yeah. Put that on fast and you're good. <laughs> Uh, and also, too, I know some people just don't like the art style, which I heavily disagree. I like those character designs a lot, actually. So, I, I, I feel like the character designs work. So, Final Fantasy IX is, I'm, I'm so happy it exists, because it is a PS1 version of the Super Nintendo era of Final Fantasy. (laughs) Yeah. Final Fantasy IX is a follow-up to, like, 4 and 5, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like seven and eight were going in a very different direction, and I and love them for they, that. But they do inter- like they do keep some of the seven and eight stuff a little bit, so that's in there too. But like it feels yeah. much more in line with the Super Nintendo games. I mean, let's let's be real here. Final Fantasy Nine is Final Fantasy Four. <laughs> yeah, like let's 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 be real. But yeah. it's it's Final Fantasy Four with the. Uh, it's Final Fantasy IV as told by seven and eight, you know. Yeah, and uh, I'm enjoying that. I the PS1 era of Final Fantasy is my favorite era. Seven is still my favorite game, but you know. Yeah, not nine is one of my. I like it. That's definitely somewhere in my top five favorite games ever. So, it's it's a good one. I like that game a lot. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I like Blue Mages. <laughs> oh God, same. I, I've kind of cooled on Blue Mages as I've realized their limits as I got older, but as a kid, I was all over Blue Mages. So the thing about Blue Mages is that, like, 90% of their skills are garbage because yeah. it's gimmicky trash that only works. Goblin Punch. Yeah, it's gimmicky trash that only works in weird circumstances on casual mobs. But if you get that mighty guard in that white wind, you know? Yeah. Uh, my last playthrough of seven had uh, actually my last two playthroughs of seven had Cloud as Blue Mage, and well, it works. You gotta get so the Midgar well. Zolum skill. Oh hell yeah, I got it. Beta Fire, whatever it's called, dude. Cloud with a maxed out uh, enemy command materia is so nice. I've never done that. When I replay that game, I should do that. Oh, just it's for funsies. It's so worth it, man. Also, yeah. just like getting—it's not that hard to get, if I recall too, right? No, not at all. 
you you've got to yeah. know um, if you want to get things in their optimal point, you got to kind of know where they are. But yeah, yeah, it's fine. I will say it's a little more annoying in nine because you have to do the whole eating mechanic. Yeah. Whereas in seven, you just had to get like hit by it. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. But it's fine. Blue mages are cool. Yeah, I love Kina. Yeah. So good. Uh, but yeah, I feel like that's it for what we've been talking about. We can move on to some emails. Hell yeah! Thank you for that. You're welcome. So I'm Zach. Yeah. <laughs> good one. <laughs> I'm going to edit this in Karno Kyokai order. God, fuck you. <laughs> I'm going to make I'm going to make this podcast into seven chunks and then it's going to go in different orders. Yeah. It okay, so it's what is it? It's like we start with minutes like 30 to 50. Yeah. And then we cut back to minutes 0 through 20. Yeah, yeah. This is good. And then, like, you get, like, an hour to an hour and a half. And then the email section will be, like, the final bit, where it's, like, the last emails are chronological. Yes. This is good. And then, and then in, like, seven years, we'll do an epilogue. Good. Alright. The last email. So this first one's from Sonia. I just wanted to make sure that they didn't want to go by a different name. Okay, hello, Rosin and friends. First off, how are you all? Hope you guys are having a good day or week or whatever. It was very busy, but I'm fine. Yeah, mine's busy and miserable, and tomorrow's gonna be a nightmare, but thanks. Woo! I watched your last WAF video, and I have something kind of related to that email uh, you got about how not one person is responsible for the success of a game and such. Uh, this is gonna be a bit weird, since I know you don't really talk about SMT anymore, but here it goes. That's uh, fine. We still talk about SMT and shit. It's just like I, not I mean, the main... we we had we yeah. had like twenty to thirty minutes of SMT four apocalypse and P five talk here. It's just not my primary interest area longer, sort of thing. It's just a thing I like now. Um, uh, I see that kind of situation happening with Megami Tensei series as well, specifically the main games in the series. I see and hear a lot of discussion about the direction that SMT is taking lately, and a good portion of those discussions are saying how they don't like it. Uh, with how SMT4 Apocalypse handled the characters in both the main routes and how, as far as I know, but could be wrong, Strange Journey uh, Redux has an entirely new route with a noticeable, noticeably younger character in Alex. Some fans are saying that SMT is straying too far from its roots uh, or becoming too much like Persona. I can't really say I disagree with them, but I'm not a huge fan of some of the writing and plot decisions made in recent games. Uh, but those fans also tend to point the blame at specific people and talk about how SMT was better when so-and-so person was working on SMT. I see that when people compare Doi and Kaneko, for example, or even when uh, they compare uh, Tadashi Sat- uh, Satomi with uh, Ketsuro Hashino, uh, you can't really blame or praise just one person, since, like you guys said last time, a lot of people work on a video game, and it seems weird to place the failure or success on a game squarely on one individual. I feel like the current direction of SMT has more to do with Atlas either trying to appeal to a wider audience or Atlas is trying to pander to a specific group of fans. Some of Doi's commentary on his design of New Demons and Strange Journey Redux kind of hint at this. It's probably too much to wish for a new SMT game similar to the games during the PS2 era, but I'd really like a game that isn't in the same style that more recent games are in, if that makes any sense. 
Anyway, this email was way too, too long, but what do you think of that? I'd like to know, but if you guys don't have to answer, or you guys don't have to answer if you don't want to. Thanks a bunch, Sonia. Thanks, Sonia. Uh, this is interesting considering I said earlier in this podcast, God, I'm glad that Hashino is moving on to different things. Um, <laughs> I feel like the the weird fine balance between this is v- certain people in bigger, higher level positions certainly do have an influence that is felt in all of their work. Um, in my case, I feel like a lot of the gripes I have with P5 are because of Toshino kind of retreading some of his earlier, like, ideas, if that makes sense. Um, but that being said, though, I clearly do think that SMT4 Imagine is a case of, like, that's a design-by-committee game that was like, okay, what the fuck do we do for this one? So I kind of feel both ways on this. I just want to point out to everyone listening that I caught that, yes, he said SMT4 Imagine. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm a fraud. <laughs> um, SMT4 no, yes. Apocalypse. Yeah. It's fine. I just wanted everyone to know that I'm with all of you, okay. that I caught it. Um, no, so when we say, or at least when I say, I don't want to speak for you, but when I say that Games are made by a lot of people, so oftentimes we latch onto one person. Um, that's true, and that's especially true when people are praising or attacking a game for everything that's in it. So you'll often see a lot of people be, like, attributing the monster designs, the battle system, the art direction, the story. Like, all that gets attributed to, like, one person. Yeah. And all of the, like, hey, games normally have a lot of writers, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, the director, the producer, those people are responsible for more than, let's say, one of the random writers or random art designers. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that it's absolutely valid for someone to be like, Hey, after, like, three games I've played by that guy, I know I don't like his style. Yeah. And you can't say that he's the one that made that game completely, but after a while you can totally pick out individual creators within the teams that you know you like or dislike. But, like, even with Souls, like, people could pick out the one that Miyazaki was not as involved with, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, and and that that game tried to do something very different. Exactly. It it didn't feel like the others in many ways. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That being said, in regards to specifically SMT, um, I still think 4 is one of the best ones. Um, often, like, I go back and forth on whether I like 4 or Nocturne more all the time. It depends on my mood in the moment, you know? I could feel that. I, I, I'm very clearly more on more of a Nocturne boy. But four yeah, is I, really fucking up there. My my recent list, as I mentioned, did end with Nocturne at number one, but um, four is a close second for very different reasons. And even like you can feel some of four is them giving in to like, okay, we want to do less of our thing and appeal a little bit more to like what works for people. And like, I yeah. think in that case, they did it wonderfully, way um, better than Apocalypse. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It's, uh, I think it's honestly just a thing, too. We're, I mean, we've always gotten a lot of these games in a row. Um, 
Though, that being said, it's very clear that post, like, 2012 with, like, Golden and, like, you know, Persona 4 Arena and the anime all being the thing and, like, that kind of renaissance of P4, I feel like ever since then it's kind of been clear that they've been... Atlas has been playing it a little bit more safe because they... I mean, why wouldn't they? That's their financial key. You know what I mean? Um they have their set style in some ways now and they know what works and what will sell so they're gonna keep doing that in a lot of ways and uh it's just that after so many years of frequent releases like that it's just kind of a thing where i'm like yeah i've had enough you know what i mean like i've i've had my share in a lot of ways and like i'm still gonna buy the strange journey remake even though i'm not super excited for it i'm still excited to see what smt switch is gonna be like but i don't know i feel like a lot of those problems that are being referenced will probably plague those games to some extent too. If the SMT Switch one doesn't respark the passion, then honestly, uh, that's gonna bum me out. You know, yeah. if SMT Switch is just another apocalypse and like mainline, so so I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, mainline's going Persona because like it, there's still a difference there. Yeah. Um, I do think that. Mainline needs to walk a fine balance in which I want that series to evolve and do new things, but it also can't lose what makes it special. Mm-hmm. And I think Apocalypse was the wrong direction. Yes, yeah, um, I'm willing to give them another go. I want something very specific from the new one, and I really hope that it doesn't... I really hope that it doesn't stagnate, and I also hope that it doesn't stray further away from what makes SMT stand out in a sea of generic JRPGs. I There is one thing for me that I will say that gives me hope in a lot of ways. Um, Tokyo Mirage Sessions was just another PS2-era Megaton in many ways. Um, and I feel like at least some of that design feeling will go into smt switch because persona 5 is very clearly like a new step and i think smt switch is going to be a combination of like what you would get out of like nocturne dds tms and like a p5 style thing in many ways i feel like they'll go that way with it more what i want is i want them to take what they've learned from apocalypse persona 5 and Tokyo Mirage Sessions, and I want them to make, like, the next... I want them to make the next thing that everything will branch off from. I feel like that is just P5, though, a little bit, you know? which The, the thing about P5, though, is that P5 doesn't have, like... Because, like, things like Apocalypse, Persona 5, and Tokyo Mirage Sessions, they were developed alongside each other. Yeah. And they each... Cre- they, they each do something good in a different way. I want the game that takes the best parts of all of those and creates the thing that's like, okay, now we evolve from here. And to be fair, I feel like they are a studio that will do that sort of thing. Like, they very clearly look at what the fuck can we do better. Um, I have one very specific thing that I'm afraid will not be the case. Yeah. I never want to go back to just four elements. Oh. My my favorite part of Persona 5 was that they put in more. And I know a lot of those were in the earlier Persona games, but, like, Persona 5 has more 
for the first time in like 15 fucking years. Honestly, too, I, I feel like that's important too because I think there's a degree in some of those games where it's like you just have everything fucking covered and that prevents you from doing that again. Like, it's a little bit more fun for me when I'm not always guaranteed that I'm going to get the extra bonus whatever for hitting a weakness, you know? So imagine a game that has the extra elements from Persona 5 with the system from Apocalypse where demons have different affinities for the elements. That would be good. And all of a sudden, we're back to the PS2 era where building your demons a certain way matters. Yeah, that'd be fun. And, like, that's what I want so bad. Because my problem with the series became when you no longer had the RNG element to building your demons, it was too easy to just have all your demons feel the same. You know? Yeah. And, like, I feel like we're so close to having a system where we've evolved beyond needing RNG, but it's still balanced in that way. And I just I just need these... I just need all these elements to combine together, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they've made some missteps recently, and, like, I know part of it, too, is just me, like, personally, like, even before these games came out, being, like, I don't want to just talk about SMT stuff anymore, and I, like... I do know, like, I do want to realize that some of that is coloring my perspective, I want to say. But it's mostly just, like, there's some actual downfalls of both Apocalypse and P5 that I'm like, you guys could have done better. Like, even, in a way, playing those games, I'm almost kind of, like, happy that I wasn't as, like... I feel like Cathedral of Shadows Rosin would have been really disappointed in both of those games. (laughs) <laughs> and I think the fact that I wasn't running a fucking dedicated podcast and, like, fan community around the games when I got to play them kind of dampened the impact and allowed me to th- enjoy those a bit more than I think I otherwise would have. So. I like the fact that we have different rosins now. Yeah, I mean, you know. The Angel of Shadows rosin is a different era of rosin. I love croc rosin. <laughs> yes! The two defining eras of your life, SMT and croc. Yep. Uh, I still need to stream Croc 2, Bay. Oh, oof. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll stream Croc 2, we'll play Guard 2. Yeah, gotta play Legend of Dragoon at some point, too. Yeah. That's in the distance, though. That won't be for a while. Yep. This one's from John. Uh, Hi, John. This, there's a really good chance, this has already been talked about on the podcast, and I've just forgotten, but if you guys remember it, uh, feel free to ignore this one. Ooh, excuse me. I recently started listening to the Logged Off podcast after Rosin tweeted about it. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, it's really fun to listen to podcasts about general internet culture and what different places people go to on the internet, especially in the early days. So this got me wondering, when and why did you two start using the internet? For me, it would have been back in 2002 or 2003 when an older friend told me about a magical site that would tell me how to unlock all of the characters in Super Smash Bros. Melee, Game FAQs. This was the origin of my internet usage and formed a lot of my early impressions about internet culture and how forums should work, some of which stuck with me to this day, like never being a fan of signatures on posts that have pictures or GIFs on other websites. Game FAQs only lets you use text. And also importantly, you didn't include this in the email, you could only have two lines of text in your Game FAQ signature. Um, 
which I know because my story is almost exactly the same as John's, except maybe a year or two earlier than, like, I instead of 2002, 2003, mine's probably more like 2001, 2002, and it was also game FAQs, but for me, it was Zoo Tycoon. Um, and then I moved on to stuff like Smash and Zelda and, like, Earthbound and all those other stuff. But Game FAQ's forums definitely colored my first sort of online interactions I had on the internet. Mm. So, Zach, how did you become involved with the internet? Um, so, I want to say that it's been for almost as long as I can remember. Nice. Um. My earliest internet things were when I was very young and uh, my family got a computer and I was one of those kids and hey, honestly, there are going to be some people listening here who are just too young for this. Yeah. But uh, we had dial up AOL. Hell yeah. I'm old enough for that. And I was too young. So I had one of those uh, protected accounts where there was parental protection on it so the websites i could go to were limited um i remember i remember the first website i ever went to when i was presented with the internet and told you can you could type in whatever you want i typed in pokemon.com nice and it was the official pokemon website because i was a very young child um that is that. Uh, over time, me and my sister would, because uh, my sister was a little bit older, so she had the non-protected account. Um, we started doing AOL chat rooms, um, going in there and just being dumb kids messing with people. Uh, when I got my own computer, when I was uh, more of a teenager, that was when I started getting really heavy into forms you know, uh, finding internet forms, lurking. I did a lot of lurking. Um, there'd be like so many forms where I just had like 30 posts, you know? Yeah. Uh, I remember I got involved with a, uh, with a Zelda fan site and I started writing for a Zelda fan site way back in the day when I was a teenager, stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's been my whole life. This, this internet thing. I I was there for the aim era, you know? (laughs) A large part of it I'm not going to go into because I actually... So, I've had this idea that predates RPG Rewind and kind of just... Kind of as a seed implanted into my consciousness around the same time I decided I wanted to do more analytical type shit. I really, at some point in my life, want to make an Earthbound video that's just talking about me growing up on the internet because the Earthbound fan community was a huge part of that for me. Um, and also I feel like was a thing that was really big in your and my generation. Like the Earthbound fan community was kind of like a thing people knew existed. Um, that's kind of fallen to the wayside now, especially with stuff like, you know, Undertale and like the huge rise in indie games that are kind of in that style. Um, people don't talk about Earthbound no more, usually. I feel like people talk about Earthbound only so far as they constantly go where's mother three yeah um and i feel like that's a shame because that was an interesting community with some interesting stories to it that to be fair i'm not going to probably go into those but more just what i was involved with um 
Starman.net, which is, like, the big go-to place uh, for all the Earthbound shit. Now, to be fair, I didn't. I had some problems with the mod team on that site forever ago, and I thought they were assholes, so I didn't go on there much. Never got banned or anything, but I just didn't like that place very much. Um, so I have other side communities to that that I would hang out in. Um, that place is a fucking shell of its former of its former self because there's only f- three fucking games in that series, and you can only talk about those for how much of a decade you know like the last game came out in 2007 you like after the fan translation came out for mother 3 and like you had the two years of everyone talking about mother 3 or so that community fucking died out like there's nothing left to talk about until like earthbound beginnings came out and that was like kind of exciting then it kind of died down again it's interesting it's interesting that you say that because I've seen so many communities take one of two paths where either the community dies out and like, let's say it's a form, let's say it's internet form, you know, Mm -hmm. and it only survives so far as new people coming up every once in a while being like, Oh, Hey, I'm into this thing now. Uh, The occasional old person being like, yeah, that's cool. And then then the veterans at the bar. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there's that. Yeah. Then there's the other path, which is the community evolves beyond what they were originally about and just becomes a group of friends. Um, talking be, about anything and everything. Can I be straight up with you? That's kind of what happened with, in my opinion, the COS thing. Which yeah. is weird because it's different. Um, there's very clearly a through line of the people that decided to stick with this whole channel thing and hang out. And there's also a fuck ton of people that are like, I don't care about this other than SMT. I'm out, man, which is fair. Um, I've always preferred the second option. Um, and I'm going to be completely honest with you throughout my life. I've always agreed with the idea of, Hey, go hang out on forums and group chats and, shit like that as a way to make personal connections with cool people and then get the fuck out of the rest of it. like i feel like public internet spaces are often really good ways of meeting some lifelong friends but there's always gonna be the one asshole or like the few creepy or weird people that you just don't want to be around um like i'm still on public twitter and i still enjoy public twitter but social media is very different like, social media killed forums in a lot of sense, let's be real here. Um, yeah. And part of that is because it's no longer a shared space in many ways. It is a space that you heavily curate and have control over. If there's yes. someone in the community who you fucking hate, your option is no longer just, oh, you click the ignore user button on their profile and you don't see their posts anymore, even though they're clearly part of the discussion. You can just block and mute people now. That is an option for you. And then when you decide you like them again, you can unblock and, you know, like, it is so fast-paced and flowing and so controlled by individual users that it's not really a public space so much as, like, personalized spaces for people that happen to involve interacting with others, so. I I feel like it's a little bit of a shame because I feel like forms provided something that, uh, Social media does not, and it's been lost a little bit. I feel like some of the best internet discussions I've ever had, not in a chat room or, like, over voice chat, have been through, like, week-long forum 
discussions. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to, you know, dox myself over here. But there are a couple, like, like honestly, just one or two uh, forms that I still visit. Mm-hmm. And those have evolved so far beyond uh, what their initial topic was about to where, like, those off... A lot of forms will have, like, the off-topic section. Yeah. And you always know what you're getting into when that has, like, twice the posts, you know? Yeah, that's that's when you're in the death husks of the community. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it becomes the hangout place, and it's like, no, this ain't the fan and, weird place anymore. And, like, th- honestly, there's almost no shot of a new member getting in there yeah because you're just hanging out with people that have known each other for like five to ten years there's always the person who tries for like a week and realizes clearly people don't want to like make the space for them <laughs> and it's yeah. like no or we... the people that like god bless them join and actually try to talk about the thing <laughs> <laughs> And then everyone goes, we've had this thread five times already in the last They just link to a list of threads. <laughs> yeah, I've had those happen before. God, old forums are such a fucking big part of my... I So, like, I've had uh, a former friend of mine who used to run a Earthbound, like, fan forum that was very tiny and, like, a very niche offshoot of the thing that, like, kind of got some traction for a little bit there, but then that happened where there's just the core group and it became impenetrable other than the few fuckers who would try and then give up because it's like, oh, these people... Like, this group of, like, 25 people are clearly a group of friends sort of thing. Um, And you'd have some users that would come and go. Uh, I've since had a falling out with that person um, and they have shut that site down. So a large part of my internet growing up phase is just off the internet now. Which, to be honest, thank Christ, because I don't want anyone yeah. seeing most of it. It's probably very embarrassing. Um, yeah. But yeah, the internet is such a weird fucking place, man. Man, I've got like... You want to know a story that's actually kind of sad, but like... Yeah. So... Uh, again... Maybe uh, maybe dating myself a little bit here, but uh, there's an era where MySpace was a popular thing, mm-hmm. and I was part of a MySpace group for a particular uh, video game, and that became a sp- like that splintered off into a subgroup of like maybe i want to say 20 to 30 people from the original group and we we made our own myspace group and then after a couple years when myspace groups were going away um in order to like not lose that uh thing i created a one of those like free form things you know like like the free public forms that you can make yeah just as like, hey, here's this little with like space. the white with like the like white and pale blue, generic yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah, I know just exactly the, g- the generic what you're talking you know, about. Yeah, uh, I made one of those as just like a supplement thing, um, and just slowly watched as it dwindled down to two people. <laughs> nice, uh, two people other than me, and I pop in maybe once every year, <laughs> and it's still there. 
but like just over the years watch is just like people slowly fade away from this little community and now there's just like three of us have you ever like randomly managed to stumble your way into one of those and just see <sighs> like the groups of three or four people still talking all these years later about dragon ball even though the fires have clearly died out in 2000 like nine yeah i always no. feel like i'm invading a private space that's... Like, I, I find old forums that, like, have the few vets that are still hanging out, and I'm like, this was not meant for my eyeballs, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like... Oh, man. I actually, there's something I randomly will think about, just I'm driving around the car sometimes, and I'll fucking think about this. If Zach, were you were you a game of fake user ever? Uh, no. There's some th- some random shit from those boards I want to fucking like just think back on so i was really big into like crazy conspiracy well like not conspiracy but like paranormal shit back in the day like when i was a kid and stuff i like to read up on urban legends and like hauntings and alien shit and all that like as a lot of like young boys like to do you know um i mean like i was like 11 12 or whatever um the game faqs paranormal paranormal board was the funniest fucking thing in the world um I can't remember the name of the original thread, but, like, people would make up stupid shit and, like, create these, like, giant threads of, like, chronicling, basically, like, doing, like, a found footage, like, forum thread where they'd be like, oh, this thing is after me or whatever, and I can't remember the name of, like, the thread, but, like, it was like, oh, I'm being stalked by this pale child with a knife that's, like, can go through walls, and I, like, nowhere is safe, and, like, some guy got really pissed off like this is so fucking clearly fake and you didn't have like time to post this and i think it got to the point where like mods got involved and that thread got closed down and the dude who started saying the shit like this is so fucking fake like fuck you created a thread that i will always remember to this day called the flummox and it was about how he was being haunted by a ghost baby called the flummox that would (laughs) that would flummox towards him And, like, it was, like, a fucked-up demon baby Kirby that would, like, eat people and be able to take their forms. Um, And it just constantly got more and more hilariously escalated to the point where he was like, Alright, guys, this is the final entry. I'm in Alaska right now with a tribe of Eskimos. We're gonna go at war with the Flummox. And he never posted again. (laughs) Dude, what if it was real? Yeah, I know. Um, (laughs) Like... There's just random memories and bits I have of that, and I'm like, this will never be archived. I might be the only person that remembers that, you know, like... Yeah. And back in the day, that was such a fucking legendary thread. And I think, like, I think there's, like, a game FAQ's paranormal wiki that was made in, like, around that time that has, like, a one-sentence, like, mention of it. That's... Because I remember a few years ago, I was like can I find that thread archive? And I couldn't. But that was the only reference on the goddamn internet I could find of that legendary fucking thread. And it pissed me off. I was like, I want to reread that again because it was so goddamn hilarious. Like, there was a point where he's like, I hid in the sewers and then I could hear baby cries everywhere. So I ran the fuck out and I was surrounded by the flummox. And like, it's so fucking stupid. Oh, man. Also, too, there is this thing that I, I actually still wonder if it happens where um there uh 
Game of FAQ's mods are really anal about just not allowing certain types of threads. Um, one time on the, I want to say it was the Ocarina of Time board, like way back just when only the Nintendo 64 version existed, someone made a, like, thread that was supposed to be like a forum game that was called, like, the, like, Hyrule Wars or something like that, and he made this, like, tiled out map of like Hyrule from Ocarina of Time and had described a bunch of different factions and made like a play-by-post like strategy war game between like the Zoras, the Gorons, the Hylians, the Kokiri, the Deku, like the Garudu, like all of this shit. And it was really well put together actually. And people started playing it and then the mods came in that are like, no, the super isn't allowed. So then they moved to, like, a bunch of random Commodore 64 boards to play the game in secret? Like, just boards for games that no one would ever fucking read? <laughs> um, and there became this, like, underground game FAQ scene of, like, play-by-post war games that I kind of got involved in for a little bit, but it, it got kind of, like, douchey, so I left. But I think about stuff like that all the time of, like, Man, no one else in the world probably knows about this, and that makes me just sad, you know? Yeah. So, I, because, I, 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 like, I mean, Zach, you and I just through Twitter are are acquaintanced with, like, people that are about 17, 16, like, high school age. Yeah. Or Or even, like, in our general group of friends, there are people that are just, like, a little bit older than that. Um, I actively feel like depressed that those people will never know the joys of old forum posting you know what i mean like yeah it's, it's gone it's so fucking dead now <laughs> it's all it's all twitter now it's all twitter all facebook twitter facebook tumblr you know i'm gonna say i tried i never like i never used rosin brand as a name on facebook but i did make like i did at some point in my life try doing the whole oh i'm gonna sign up with the fake username for facebook and join like excuse me and join like nerd groups and stuff and like i just i I never loved the vibe yeah never got into the vibe on the facebook stuff honestly man twitter is great well our section of twitter is great (laughs) that's true i this is gonna sound dumb and i honestly don't even know if this thought is like properly formulated but like i feel like oh god this is gonna sound so fucking bad yeah. The internet's too mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> and and what I mean by that... Oh, that's the worst thing you've ever said, Zach. <laughs> I know, I know. What I mean by that is that, like... Something has been lost by the internet becoming the thing that everyone uses. All these and moments will be lost in time. Here's, like here's the thing. tears and rain. Here's the thing. I think that that is fine because the overall benefit that the internet has given everyone in the world is better. Yeah. But at the same time, um, it has become impossible for the same level of community to exist, I think. Yeah. Things have become too, too big. There's too many people, you know... It often, social media to me feels often like, how how do I describe this? Forums felt more like that weird club you would go to after school where social media feels like the school. 
how many people, Zach, do you follow? Because it's like everyone else I know follows them, even if you don't really know who they are. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's so easy to fall into that. And, like, to be fair, most of the time, if your friends are cool with them, they're genuinely, like, that's fine. But, like, it's always, like, that feeling of, like, I don't super know you. I just kind of have a general idea of who you... You know what I mean? It's, it's weird. Yeah, there's a sense of... Uh... And obviously you can combat this by getting to know specific people well, but yeah. there is a sense of, um, cl- like, yeah, community that, that doesn't exist in social media normally. I feel like Twitter is the is the closest to getting that right again Yeah, because of the way the follower system works. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's weird. I, I, I think back to the way forms used to be and even the way things like MySpace groups used to be, and, like, I don't think that can ever exist again. And yeah. honestly, too, uh, it's it's a, a shame, but, like... Oh, jeez, I'm putting myself fucking out there with this one, but, like, I think 4chan ruined a lot of things. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of shitty people on the internet now that, like... If they did exist back then, they weren't as common, and you didn't see them as often. Honestly, or also, like, maybe I just wasn't as sensitive to it. There's a very like well-documented case to be made that 4chan was a place that a lot of like young, impressionable kids went to to be young, impressionable kids, and then the actual fucked-up people that posted there indoctrinated them, or at least normalized some shitty behavior to them. That has caused a lot of the problems we see now, and I would not be surprised if that was the case. I... This is gonna sound so stupid, but, like... I There's a lot of praise I've seen given out to the Final Fantasy XIV community, yeah. and I'm not saying that that's not justified. But when I look at not only how many people play Final Fantasy XIV, but the types of people that play it and the types of things I see being discussed in, like, the shout chat, and I compare it to fucking 2003 when I played Final Fantasy XI, and I kind of miss the way it was in 2003. Nice. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know. I'm um, rambling now, but... No, it's fair. This is good. I actually feel, too, one thing I will give social media over forums. Social media is a lot more adaptable to drama. Um, Your community doesn't die now when there's a large divide anymore. Because they will just, like, bubble and then split all natural and you don't have to start from the ground up or at least one side doesn't need to start from the ground up like the old forum days dude i remember i think i was on a forum for i think it was just some random anime forum that like split and then like two years after like split again (laughs) like there were three forms by the end of it um i've seen some uh so to be fair the the worst form drama i've seen were stuff that i was not involved in but I have been involved in a few of them in my day. And, like, it's always such a stupid thing of, like, you get into the big dumb argument and then you wait to see who's gonna be the one that the people side with. Yeah, oh god, you'll... That's not... Like, I remember, like, specific arguments I've had, and it's like, I know this is one fucker's gonna have something to say, but he's on vacation with his family right now, and, like... This was also back in a time where, like, you had flip phones and you couldn't really reliably post on forums using the internet. 
you know like so it's like i'm gonna wait for this fucker to get back to their computer say what they have to say about this bullshit oh man um no like i said though i i do genuinely think though that um it's yeah it's such a weird thing where like i i still to this day think that larger communities are often shitty places that your best bet is to make some friends that you'll carry with you for a long ass time and sometimes like the biggest community i was involved with with my teens was that earthbound one i talked to one guy from that nowadays and like hey it was super worth it all things considered um but yeah like fandom is such a weird fucking thing to navigate on the internet it's bizarre to an extent I definitely agree with a lot of what you're saying. And I definitely think that getting into a fandom now is different from what it was back then. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there are definitely, depending on the person out there, there are people who seek that sense of community and that that's a comfort to them. Yeah. And um, I, I never want to devalue that. And I, I definitely can appreciate that. And honestly, mm. like... I'm really glad that I found, like, the little Twitter slice of community that I'm in. Because, like, it, it, it's not the same, but it is giving me back something that, like, I missed. I also feel like, to a certain extent, the way I'm talking about this is from a very privileged perspective in the sense that I am someone who made things and, like, was... I don't even know how to really describe myself in terms of this situation, but I very clearly was someone out there that was a reference point for other people to meet and then form a community around that, I get Like, not around me, per se, but I know for a fact that I know multiple people that only became friends because they found me for... for you know what I mean? Well, so, I mean, I'm, I'm an example of that. I, I doubt I would... Uh... I doubt I would know any of the people I know now if it wasn't for you. Yeah, in terms so like, of like that Twitter situation. I, I'm kind of a cheater because I get the sense of community, but the community are all of the friends that I have like <laughs> made along. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, whereas I guess yeah. No, no, no. Like, say what you were gonna say. No, the friends we made along the way. I was gonna say the friends we made along the way, but. Like, I guess, like, from, like, I never really thought about this before now, but, like, I lucked out super hard in that I get the sense of community, but I kind of, like, fostered that in the sense of I put myself out there and got really fucking lucky in many regards, and people formed around it, you know? Yeah. So, like, honestly, too, like, game enthusiasts, like, I I have a whole fucking vlog where I talk about this, but, like... There's just a point in the past few years where, like, game-specific or, like, media-specific fandoms really started to, like, sour me in terms of, like, I feel like becoming a fanatic of certain things just isn't all... Like, you know, like, I'm a big fan... I'd say I'm a big fan of Karno Kyokai at this point from what I've seen, but, like... Mm. I'm at a point in my life where I'm not gonna go on forums and, like, oh. have have a shiki, like signature and a shiki gif in my signature and a shiki avatar fuck you you have a fucking shiki picture on twitter and yeah but skype. i i do but my fucking but also like my skype status right now isn't like i could kill a god if i have to but like like what i'm what i'm leading on more so is like it's not like a full here's my counter argument to this 
My avatar is still the little bubble near thing, and I still reference the crow in my Twitter bio. I am a more well-rounded individual. Yeah. Than, okay. Like, you're you're not singular, Karanokyokai. I'm not singling. I'm I'm past the point in my life where I'm singling and focusing on one big thing. I think SMT was the last of that for me. Because yeah. I realized past a point that every time I would get involved in a scene like that, the to- like the toxicity of it was just too much for me. And I got to a point where it's like, I want to be able to really enjoy and cut into and explore a lot of this sort of stuff. But I don't want the random shit like... I don't fucking care about the Amala network and, like, what all of the super detailed nitty-gritty... Like, well, okay, that's that's a lie. I care about all the stupid, like, nitty-gritty lore details that all of the SMT games have. I'm not gonna tell someone to fucking hang themselves over it, you know what I mean? Like, there's a point where, like, you get into enthusiast fandoms and, like, some people just don't get the hint that they're taking it too far and it kind of shits in the pool for everyone. Um, and so I there's feel not like going to be an SMT IRL two. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I feel like it's a point for me where like I kind of got that out of game criticism Twitter or like you know like the general critique and analytical sort of like community there is for games where it's like okay yeah it's super cool to be fans of and like really enjoy certain things but like. It's nice to be a fan of a lot of different things and to also have enough of a safe distance from it where you can say, also, it does some things wrong sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. And also, too, just keeping in fact that, like, hey, there's also a real life and world outside of whatever thing you are very attached to and also that those two things can coexist and reflect on one another in interesting and, like, balanced ways. Um yeah, I, that's just kind of where I'm at in, like, 24-year-old Rosin land at this point, whereas, like, 19-year-old Rosin would have been like, I love SMT so much, guys, it's the best thing ever, nothing, fuck everything else. Um, so <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think part of it, too, is that I never, um, I never really made the connection that there are people out there that just pick one thing, because yeah. even, like, I was all over the place, you know, I was like, ooh, I want to go to this uh, Zelda form, I want to go to this uh, Final Fantasy form, I want to mm-hmm. go to this uh, Silent Hill form, um, and I, I, I would actually occasionally see um, people on, like, across all of them, but yeah, there was always the people that's like, that. no, this is where I go, I pick this one, and this is all I care about, I and I guess like I never really... Yeah. I, I'm kind of a mix of that where I would be on a bunch of different places at once, but I would very clearly have the year where I was super into Zelda. I would have the year where I was super into Final Fantasy, you know? Like, yeah. I always had the priority one. Um, and I think, yeah, it just got to a point for me where I noticed that, like, I was valuing the friendships with the cool people I made from those places more than the actual community where, like... For example, the Zelda Forum... Well, okay, the Zelda Forum one's a very, very peculiar example because, like, I actually, like, had this one girl who got, like, kind of stalkerish, like, online stalkerish with me, and I was like, oh, this is really awkward. Um, So, like, I kind of ditched there, but, like, it got to a point where I'm like, hey, there's two people I really like talking to on, like, the little chat room here that maybe I'll exchange, like, AIM information with. 
Um, remember AIM? Um, yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, but, like, I, I'm really... I hate how, like, I'll post into this forum and then, like, this forum thread will devolve into, like, timeline arguments or, like, um, how you pronounce Deku and, like, all of that sort <laughs> See, of shit. Yeah, I, I, I loved that sort of shit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it all depends on what you want out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's kind of, like, honestly... But to be fair, I loved that shit when I was, like, Young. You know? Yeah. And to be to be fair, I probably did too, and it took me a long time to realize what I wanted out of internet spaces. Um yeah. and honestly, what we want out of internet spaces naturally changes as we get older. Yeah, exactly. Because like it's hard to and this honestly, I'm I'm in no way want to imply that if you care about that shit that that's wrong. Yeah. But for me, it's hard to go to work, deal with work, come home, see the news, see all this shit that depresses me, and then get online and get really angry that someone said Deku instead of Deku. Yeah, that too. And, and like, <laughs> that's that's just me, you know? Yeah, um, when you're a kid, you have more, like, that. that's the most important shit to you when you're in fifth grade, you know? Yeah. But, like, I'm a living adult, and I'm worried about North Korea possibly attacking a nation that I happen to have friends in right now. You know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> priorities um, shift, man. Um, but again, and and I don't want to be the guy that's like, oh, I fucking caring about video games instead of real shit. Yeah, like, dude, whatever, whatever makes you happy, whatever you're passionate about, that's fine. I don't, I don't want to say that you can't care about that, but at some point, most people grow out of it. Yeah. Like, most people can only care for so long once they find, like, other things to care about. Mm-hmm. Be that other media or, like, real life. Yeah. I, um... I feel like, too, also part of the thing with that is, um... I, I guess part of the reason I have become more... Maybe this is also reflects what I was talking about earlier with, like, social media being more adaptable. I feel like I kind of got out of the whole, like, core enthusiast for, like, one thing thing too, because those are the ones that die out, you know? Like, say what you will, hey, fucking, I bet those Metal Gear communities aren't gonna last more than a decade after, like, now, unless something massive tap, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I can't imagine ten years from now someone going, hey, but who do you think Ocelot cared about? Um... Yeah, like, <laughs> there's only so much, mat- like, that material is done. There's only so much more you're gonna get out of there. Yeah. Um, And I'm sure it's always gonna be a big part of game culture, but, like... Dedicated Metal Gear communities are have a time limit now in terms of how and the, super hot they'll be in terms of community, uh, community. Yeah, and they naturally will have to devolve into either someone going like, yeah, I'm playing through these games again, reminded me how much I love this place, how's everyone yep. going, and then they never come back. Yeah. Or the person who's like, hey, uh... Is this game good? I wanted to get started. Where should I start? And then they never come back. Yeah. Um, And honestly, too, um, I'm not going to lie. This is really pulling the curtain back. I feel like I've been talking about myself a lot this episode, and I feel kind of guilty about it. But um, part of me, like, 
stopping doing Cathedral of Shadows and also doing whatever the fuck I'm doing now is kind of me at a point being like, if I keep going with this Cathedral of Shadows thing, there's going to be a point where I'm just going to stop. I'm, I know I'm just going to stop. And, like, I like making videos about things too, and podcasts about things too much to actually ever stop. Um, and I, there's kind of a point where I'm like, I want to kind of readjust. And maybe instead of being like, I want to make a community for SMT people, I kind of just want to make a nice, like, balanced community where we can talk about whatever. And also tends like is a not shitty place on the internet as much as i can because like yeah there's kind of a lack of those in many ways and i feel like the more of a effort individual people in positions like mine which to be fair i'm not really in much of a fucking position i have very little space to actually give out on the internet but what i do have i want to make good you know and yeah. like i said well balanced and to a point where hey if a if a certain publisher decides to no longer make a certain game series i don't want my thing to have a time limit where like oh people will lose interest i want to keep talking about shit as i get interested in it i want it to reflect kind of what i'm interested in and about other than being tied down to one sort of thing, because I feel like that creates issues, as we've discussed. Yeah, totally. Good times. That was a good conversation. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole segment. Yeah. Man, just as a little epilogue about talking about like different form hopping and stuff, th- th- this is a funny story. Uh, so... Um, there was a couple of forums that I was on throughout a, a long stretch of years, mm-hmm. um, starting when I was young and stupid. I want to say starting at like age. So yesterday. Yeah, yeah. No, starting at age like I want to say thirteen, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been someone, a single person, that I have encountered on four different forums. <laughs> From ages 13 to 19, including, and and the one I joined when I was 19, I still go on today sometimes. Nice. This person does not know that I am the same person across all four. As a matter of fact, they probably don't remember meeting me in any of the others, because I would always use a different name, you know? Yeah. I'd always make a different screen name. I didn't have a unified screen name. And I never wanted to say, like, hey, by the way, this is me from those forms. Because by the time I was 19, looking back on when I was 13, it's embarrassing. I yeah. said stupid shit, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, there's someone I've I've just known, like, casually. Not, like, super... In- like, we talked on AIM a couple times when we were young. And then, like, I, like we started talking on, like, PMs in the newer form. But, like, we never super got to know each other. But that person I've met like four different points in time across my life because they have such similar interests to me growing up. That's but they funny. they have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> They'll never know that I've known them for so long. Uh the internet's a beautiful yeah, place. I'll tell you which ones afterwards and you'll laugh. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm very thankful for what I have in terms of, like, small internet community, though. Yeah, it's great. I'm really glad to be a part of it. 
Like, every day I think about, like, it's actually pretty cool that I can go on Twitter nowadays and, like, I'm genuinely pretty, like, fine with, like, the people I associate with because I couldn't always say that all the time. Yeah. It's good stuff, so. There'll always be a new drama. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's just kind of an unavoidable fact of life. So. It, it's unavoidable. Like, even off the internet, there'll always be a new drama. Yeah. So... That was good stuff. And honestly, too, like, after I got the Holocaust deniers out of there, the, the Rosenbrand <laughs> Discord's pretty good now. <laughs> I should pop in there one day. It's pretty fun. I actually have had some pretty good conversations from people that I just never, like, they never comment. Or, like, hey, honestly, too, there's a lot of people that watch my stuff and probably listen to this podcast that aren't on Twitter. That's true. Uh, and I've managed to, like, just have some nice voice chats with some people in that Discord, and, like, hey, it's pretty neat, so. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. I'm happy about stuff. This made me, this made me feel nostalgic and happy and giddy on the inside. I love the internet, and I don't. (laughs) This, dude, I honestly, I love the internet. I think it's been used for terrible things, but as a concept, I love it. I I think I love the idea of, I think for the first time in human history, unironically, the internet and social media as a whole has given power back to the common person. Yeah, totally. Everyone's a journalist now, everyone can expose terrible shit going on in the world, um, I feel like a lot of the fucked up geopolitical shit going on right now is actually a reflection of the fact that things changed too fast for us too quick. And, like, once we we have now entered an age of mass communication so unprecedented that, like, I feel like the more I think about 2017 and what happened in 2016, like, on top of it... I feel like it's only natural that humanity would go through somewhat a catastrophic adjustment period, and I idealistically hope things will go back to being some semblance of sane sometime soon. Yeah, hopefully. I'm sure some people in the Cold War thought the same thing, so <laughs> I'm not going to get uh, my hopes up, but I'm young and I have time to be idealistic yet, so... Uh, but, like, e- even just, like, in terms of a communication tool the the what the internet has done you know yeah i i actually think about this fairly often because like hey i'll i'll get real for a moment because we haven't been already i was a pretty lonely kid um Mm. i i never had a lot of friends i never had a large group of friends um and i'd like to just stop and think about like man i've got a, a like i have a friend in a fucking other country you know yeah and like i would have never had the chance to meet someone like that without the internet, you know? Mm-hmm. And and there are so many people out there that you could be friends with that are, like, compatible with you and that you would love to get to know that, yeah. like, they're across the world. You'd have no idea that human being existed without the internet, you know? Yeah. What, what a great thing. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> like, and honestly, too, I hate to say it, but, um, like, I, I tend... I, I had, like, a small group of, like, um like, core group of friends that I really, really jived with, like, elementary leading up to middle school, and then I kind of learned at a point in middle school that they all kind of hated me behind my back, and I was like, oh, geez. So I kind of abandoned that group, and, um, 
got a better group of friends. Just, like, I had the one stray friend that was always like, oh, you can hang out with us. I was like, okay, thanks. Um, that was Final Fantasy X friend for long-time listeners. Nice. Um, I, I don't know if I've ever told the story with how I've met that guy, but it's kind of interesting. I'll tell it after I'm done with this. So I moved on to that, but, like, I mean... You know, you go into college and you kind of lose some degree of touch with people from high school. Maybe you hang out, grab coffee once a year, but, like, yeah. you don't see them too often. Maybe you get invited to a wedding. Um, some people do. I, I actually know people that, like, still con- like still hang out with their group of high school friends. Yeah, I hang, like, I have the best friend that, like, I hang out with pretty regularly, um, but that being said, he's been best friends with me since I was about 10, so, um, but, like, the core group, like, we used to go, like, my core group of friends in high school, like, up until, like, freshman year of college, we would go all, like, make an excuse to get together and fucking play Street Fighter 4 till 3am, and then it got to a point where it's like, yeah, I have to work, you know, and yeah. <laughs> that kind of faded out, but yeah, a lot of people do, I, I mean, I don't know if even I'd say a lot, but there are people that do still managed to keep the group afloat which is pretty cool um my college friends which is like include like me amanda and like a bunch of our like okay that was like a weird thing too um a bunch of like people at my college who were just all commuters happened to meet each other around the same time and like we were just the one thing we all had in common is we kind of liked nerdy shit and we were all commuters <laughs> So, like, we couldn't make friends in the dorms, and we were all like, oh, I guess that is an excuse as any for us to hang out then. <laughs> so, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so, that was neat. Oh, no, okay, I'm gonna go back and tell, this is, fuck, we're so hot, so off topic now, but it's fine. This what is topic? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Thanks, we John. answered their question. Thanks, John. <laughs> yeah, um best email we've ever had <laughs> i don't think i've ever f- told the full story of how i met my best friend and it's a pretty fucking good one um so this is like i said this is the person that i played final fantasy 10 together with and then later 13 um so when i was 10 the the summer of me being 10 years old uh i got involved into an incident which i will not I I once, at one point in my life, publicly stated what exactly happened, and the ramifications later, and some, like, med student managed to, like, dox me through that. (laughs) Um, so, uh, that's, yeah, I deleted that video where I went into that, and, um, gonna keep it vague. But there was a point where I was ten years old where I straight up just lost significant ability to move my right ankle. Um, and I just walked with a limp. I was told that if I tried to, like, run faster than, like, a... Well, not like, I couldn't even really do a, a slight jog unless, like, I really wanted to put effort into it. Um, or else I was just at risk of, like, really fucking up my ankle. So I walked with a limp until I was about... Oh, God, I don't even remember the age anymore. But almost a full decade, I just could not run. Um, fun fact about me. <laughs> um... And then eventually, because of, thankfully, advances in medical technology, I, like, was able to get that fixed up later on in life. Once again, not gonna go super into details, because it's not a very common procedure from what I know, so. Yeah, you're already saying a little bit too much. (laughs) Yeah, I know, but it's fine. Um, I think. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Uh, so yeah, I was disabled for a large part of my childhood leading into adulthood. Um. When I was 
like literally like the next fucking like fall, like everyone's coming home from school or everyone's going back to school sort of thing. Uh no one knew what the fuck to do for me for gym class. So so the first uh the first time going back to gym class, they tried their fucking hardest to make it work. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking, like, going back on it. Um, so we went outside to play baseball, because the weather was still nice, and we had a pretty decent baseball diamond at my elementary school. Now, or maybe it was early middle school. I can't remember the timeline on this anymore. It's been so long. Um, But my, my elementary and middle school were one building anyways. So... We're picking teams for baseball, and, like, we just have this dumb plastic bat, and I currently have the bat in my hands. I don't know why the teacher gave it to me. Um, then there's this one kid named Shane, and he immediately goes, Ugh, we have to have the kid with the limp on our team? So being the rational human being I am, I just took the bat and hit him right in the face. <laughs> and then he started punching me, and we both immediately got sent to detention. Um, well, not, like, detention, but, like, the like the principal's office that our parents got called. Um, and while we were sitting in the, like, detention area, we both realized we both really liked video games. Fuck this story. <laughs> <laughs> so, as, like, he's bleeding down his face, he's like, do you want to hang out? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, and yeah, like, eventually there just became a point where he started to hang out. Uh, he, turns out he lived about, like, he actually, to this day, still lives about a block away from where my, I live. <laughs> um, so we would just go home, like, we would just go to his house together, and we'd go into his basement and play PS2. Um, and we played through a lot of games together. Uh, so yeah, that's how I met my best friend. It's a good story. It's a good story. Yeah. <laughs> there was another kid that I used to play Animal I have a very... I think I have a problem. So this, I know, was around the time Animal Crossing Wild World came out for the DS. There was a kid who, like, straight up just started strangling me at the playground. I don't remember why. He just had issues. He used to, like, beat up a bunch of people. But, like, he straight up just started strangling me at some point, And, like, they managed to get him off of me. And then, like, a few months later, I distinctly remember hanging out with him in his house for whatever fucking reason. I don't know why the fuck I did that, because that strangling thing scared the shit out of me. And we just played Animal Crossing together for a whole day. So what the fuck did Amanda do to you to win you over? (laughs) Emotional and verbal abuse, you know? (laughs) Nothing physical. No, she just kicked me before, but that's all in good play. Oh, God, that sounds terrible. Um, Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's fun. This is a good wholesome podcast. <laughs> this this is a this turned out way different than I thought it would. Yeah, I like I don't I could talk about old internet shit forever, man. Yeah, yeah, I like, could talk about old bullshit that I yeah, it's super nostalgic for me. <laughs> but to wrap this up, because we probably should at some point. Yeah, yeah, go listen to the logged uh, logged off cast, which uh, he referenced in the email because it's off like a lot about this. Um, it's run by Danica Herod, who is the, uh, social media manager for Waypoint, which is Vice Gaming's, uh, like, thing, <laughs> news thing. Um, and, uh, she's really great, and her friend Samantha is also really cool, and they just post a podcast together where they talk about, like, 
stupid internet things growing up, and it's a lot of fun. So, highly recommend. Um, oh, you want to fucking okay? So like, Waypoint's been doing stuff on like Disney XD. Mm. So, actually, earlier yesterday, I uh, <laughs> I turned on Disney XD because I saw a gaming thing was happening. I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's the Waypoint thing. It's not, but I learned from watching about three hours of Disney XD yesterday afternoon. Dude, TV is just YouTube light nowadays. Oh. Like, Disney XD somehow turned into, like, people playing the Hot Wheels Forza DLC and doing <laughs> wacky face cam reactions and all of the oh, swearing no. is bleeped out. Yeah. like Oh, no! Like, I... Okay, I fucking died because there was a point where they're like, um... All right, uh, if you stay later on, we're going to have Nick talking to you about the top ten things added into Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. No! But and I, I, took a, I took a photo of that and posted it on Twitter, because I was like, I can't believe I'm fucking watching PUBG on a fucking TV screen right now. Um, or, like, on, like, cable television. Um, but then, but they're like, but first things first, watch a... Uh, uh, playthrough of Gang Beasts with Will Wheaton, and I'm like, oh my fucking god, are you serious? Um, yeah, like, I don't know, man. This hurts. I mean, it's a logical conclusion considering how popular that shit got with kids. Yeah, of course. But like, oh god, it like just I f- I've never felt more out of touch with the children in my life. Yeah. Oh man, that makes so much sense. It does. Like, it just became YouTube light. <laughs> so yeah that's something anyways we should probably move on thanks a lot for the email chat thanks <sighs> that's a good one Ugh. is that the longest we've ever answered an email <laughs> I think it has been hold on cause I wanted to say we started that about like an hour and 40 in I think we've gone about an hour and 10 minutes on this one alone nice oh jesus um Anyway, so Gonzalo says, hello, Rosin and Zach, hope you're doing well. Hi. Yesterday, yesterday I was browsing my games library and noticed a bunch of old games that I never finished, even though I was at 50 to 70% game com- uh, completion, and I wondered, when do you think it's better to just start a new save file after the beginning, or continue from where you left off, even if you don't remember the exact details of the story or how it played at the moment? I ask this as someone who left a 40 hours... RPG save file only to come back four years later and get completely confused as to where I was going and how to play. Um, that's all for now. Hope you have a nice week. Uh, yeah, generally I go about a year, and if it's been about that long, I tend to restart. Yeah, y- year is a good mark. Honestly, it all depends on how recent it feels to me. That yeah, that's more of a that's more of a marker for me. Like if I can remember it and I feel confident picking it back up, sure. But a lot of times it's just me going, I don't think I know what I should be doing. And I'll just restart. It, ah, uh, 40 hours is rough, though. Yeah. Because most of the time when that happens, it's like, oh, I was like 10 hours in, and I could get that back in a day, you know? Yeah. Of, of serious playing. But 40 hours, that's like, if, you, if you're like going to school or have a job, that's like a week, you know? Yeah. And that's like a week, assuming all you do is play that. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. I, I'd say however it feels, but generally my rule is about, like, a year, or it really depends on how familiar I feel or how much I feel like I can remember it. Nine times out of ten, I will opt to restart 
Um, Same. I, I normally don't. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I, I don't think I've ever gone more than a couple months with, because uh, like I, I look back on games like so. Good examples is uh, a couple podcasts ago. Uh, now I mentioned like, yeah, I started playing a uh, Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth and uh, Trails of the Cold Steel. I have no idea where the fuck I was in those games. If I ever go back to them, I'll have to restart them. Yeah, that's fair. Just because, like, the, I don't remember them. I think the longest I've gone is, um... I want to say, like, Chrono Cross I took, like, a two-year break with. Ooh, and you went back to it? Yeah. Damn. And I still, like, I, I don't think that affected my experience at all. I actually feel like I still really like Chrono Cross. You know... You know what I'm curious about? Yeah. Is there a human in the world, like, I, I I doubt it, but I want there to at least be one guy who was like, alright, I know there's a seven-year gap in Ocarina of Time, I'm gonna pick this up in seven years. Oh, God. <laughs> you know? I, okay, so this is, going back to old internet, I know people that took the two-year break for Naruto. Fuck. Like, I, I know multiple people that I'm pretty sure do not know each other that, that were like, oh, there's a two-year time skip in Naruto, I'll watch it again in two years. Damn. Yeah. That's dedication. It is. Do you, th I mean, this one I think is more likely, like, someone that plays, like, per Persona games one day at a time. I could never do that. Like, oh, alright, let's so... do this day, alright, there's my ten minutes Back at it tomorrow. <laughs> um, there are people that will start watching the original Gundam series and all the side materials at January 1st. <laughs> and then go the entire one-year war. Damn. Which, which I think is a cute one. That That's, I think, more manageable. <laughs> yeah, because there's not... It's not as strict. Yeah. Just consume all of the one-year war in a year. Yeah. December gets pretty fucking busy, though, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah. That's that. Um, this one's from, uh, Childress Tyler. He says, been a huge fan of your stuff since Cathedral of Shadows days. Has there ever been a situation where you'd recommend someone, st uh, start a series or franchise? Wait, hold on. Uh, sorry, I think I read this wrong. Has there ever been a situation for you where you'd recommend someone a series or franchise largely different from release order? Keep up the awesome work. Um, I can't think of, I mean, like, I mean, I feel like with a lot of games, that's easier because old games tend not to age. Like, I would never tell someone to start with Metroid 1, <laughs> um, or even Castlevania 1. Uh, no, start with Castlevania 1. Oh, God, no. You don't have to finish it. So, so a lot of old games, I feel like that, like, uh, I was talking Just to- poke at it. I was talking to someone about Metal Gear, and they were like, yeah, I don't I don't know if I really would. I'm like, all right, start Metal Gear 1, play it for an hour, and then yeah. play play Metal Gear 2 for an hour, and then do solid. I feel you, you'll like pick up enough, you know? I, I Exactly. And, like, just look at the Wikipedia summary, you know? Like, yeah. it's... I, I feel like Metal Gear 1 and 2 specifically are games I feel like you either get a feel for and appreciate or you just don't and like both are equally valid 
Uh, I don't, I really, I don't ever want to touch Metal Gear 1 again in my life. I kind of have a decent respect for Metal Gear 2, but also, like, there are parts of that game that I just never want to play through again, but I think some of the stuff is cool for a game that old. Yeah. Um. I mean, Metal Gear 2 is just Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> yeah, that's part of it. Um, Metal Gear 1 is super archaic, but honestly, like, I never beat Metal Gear 2. I I put a decent amount of time into it. I, I think I got close to the end. But, like, I beat Metal Gear 1. Like, I I, yeah. I finished that game. And I'll never go back to it, but I, I'm glad I did. But honestly, no. You could play an hour of Metal Gear 1 and know exactly what you're getting into with that. So that's all you need. Yeah. And same uh, with Castlevania, you know? Hey, play until you game over. You got it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, out-of-release order, like, other shit. Yeah, I mean, so Dot Hack. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um, I have a video about it, if you're interested now, I'm just kidding. Um, Dot Hack release order is complicated, but, like, you can do that if you want to do it in release order, but there are other ways to do it, too, so, like... That depends on the person, I would recommend. Um, yeah. Hmm. Start with Nier, then watch your Guard 1 LP. Actually, no, just watch the Guard 1 LP first. That's still better, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like Guard before Nier, I think, is still important, even though it's a painful experience. Yeah, um, I would say so. Yeah, Yeah, it's hard. I, mo- honestly, most of the time, release order is the way to fucking do it. Final Fantasy doesn't count. Yeah, because it's it's so different. Same with Dragon Quest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, honestly. Uh, um, so the ar- the argument normally comes in, like, chronologic versus release, and nine- 90% of the time I say release. Um, I feel like Gundam is one you can mostly get away with, but I think Stardust Memory is a significantly weaker series if you haven't seen Zeta. Because it's an interquill and it's supposed to play off both the original and Zeta in a way. Yeah. Um, but most of, like, AthMS team and all that, like, you can watch before Zeta. And, like, it's, I mean, it fits, you know, it's playing off the original Gundam series, so it works, you know. Totally. But yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't think of anything else. Hmm. Thanks, Tyler. Okay, this one I haven't read. Um, but now I have. Nice. Good. This is good. This is from... This is a long name, so I'm just gonna call him Mizu. Hello, Sir Rosin Mother Podcast. I write to inform you and company that I've recently caught up to the current episode of your online audio talk show and want to know how you will compensate me for my mental scars contracted from the endeavor. Yeah, honestly, I feel bad. You should no human being should have had to listen to all of that. Now, is that all of COS and WASP? Yeah, that's what I want to know because that's, that's a lot. Significant. Like your art, like. If you've caught up on WASP, I'm sorry. If WASP already up... takes... I think WASP is at a day and a half. Yeah. If you've caught up, up on both, I'm impressed. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I, I looked at um altogether how much time has been spent. If every person's individual like time spent watching my YouTube channel was added up into sequence... 
people have overall spent about ten and a half years watching my YouTube content. I learned that the other day. I looked through the analytics and did the math. Good. That's good stuff. You should be proud. I know. That's a decade. A decade of rosin. Yeah. Ah, oh, God, that's gonna be a video series. One video a day. <laughs> Ten years in a row. Uh, no, that I could never do that. I mean, um, you could. They wouldn't be good videos. No. Yeah, they'd be like three seconds long. It'd be me, like, tooting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, making that noise. Uh, anyway, is there a gamer series uh, any of you fell in love with, keep thinking about, or just want to come back to without actually having any idea as to why? Personally, Tales of Graces F is one of mine. It is widely considered to be one of the worst Tales of games with an extremely cliched story and stupid characters, but something keeps drawing me back. There's also the Black Rock Shooter game for the PSP that is really repetitive and linear, but probably one of my favorite games ever. Then there's other questions, but... Uh, that one. So have you heard about Diag now? Um, I'm gonna keep making that joke. Um, the crow. (laughs) (laughs) The crow is a weird ironic thing for me, though. Well, actually, no, is this just about game series? Well, game or series, so I guess the crow counts as a, as a franchise the crow ps1 game sure oh yeah hey i'm gonna do something with that at some point i'm not sure what yet um yeah i don't know why the crow is just fascinating to me uh hmm yeah i don't know this is a this is a tough one for me there's nothing i can super think of that i like stuck i guess rabbits for a weird portion of my <laughs> life but that was just misspent youth. Yeah. So the question uh, is things you go back to without knowing why. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I can't really think of much. I, like, yeah, I, I'm having a real hard time with this one. Out of, like, other you know, than things I ironically enjoy, but, like, I, I, there's not much that I play or consume that I'm like, God, this sucks that I, like, stick with. I've often. got one. Um, bad TV shows. Oh, yeah, that's a big one for you, huh? Yeah, I'm still up to date on things like Gotham and Lucifer, and they're bad. They're really bad. Lucifer's still fucking going? Yeah, well, it's only been, like, two seasons. Oh, okay. I thought it was a little bit longer than that. Oh, oh man, those shows are so bad. Alright, dude, I've got a better one. I've got such, like... The the, the ultimate, like, bad TV show that I don't know why... Um, And this is, like... I am almost, like, half a season off, up to date on Supernatural... Oh. I fucking hate that show. <laughs> I nice. don't know why. I don't know why. It's just like, eh, I got it. an hour to kill. Fuck it. Like, every, like, couple of months, I'll be like, fuck it. What's going on with it? <laughs> you know You know what? I'll say, like, ghost hunting shows for me actually are that. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of cable TV, like, 
shit like Pawn Stars or dumb paranormal crap where I'm like, I know all of this is fake in very two different ways, uh, but fake regardless. But, like, I like to have it on as background noise and to just laugh at, you know, <laughs> of, like, this is stupid. Yeah. Uh... Uh, next question. Zach, what do you do in FF14 when you are up to date with all the new content? Do you just stop playing until the next update? Have you been playing the 3DS Miku game and are all the dot .hack games as short as the first one? Ooh. Hey, questions for me. Alright, um, Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, so the way that game works is that there's in-game content to do to fill your time. Um... The game works on a gear progression system where there's weekly lockout tokens. So if you want to get the better gear to do the harder content, um, you've got to every week put a certain amount of time into doing like the content, like running the dungeons, you know, stuff like that. Um, So normally when I'm caught up, I'll just spend time like, you know, every couple of days I'll do that. There's also things like, Grinding fights for rare mounts, doing the in-game raids, um, that sort of thing. Uh, however, right now, I'm actually kind of in a lull with that game where I'm a little... I don't want to say bored of it, but I'm just kind of not feeling uh, some of the repetition. Uh, so I'm still logging in every week to do uh, raid stuff. Like, like I'm up to date with the raid stuff. Where, like, I've got a small group that's only missing, like, two members at this point. Um... And we're working on, like, the hardest content. So I'm getting gear through that and kind of working on that. But I'm in this phase where I'm not logging in to do the daily stuff anymore. So, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of waiting for the next patch while also doing the raid stuff kind of semi-casually with them. And uh, that's been working out for me. The other questions, uh, there, what was, there was a dot .hack one and there was another one. Uh, first one before that was, have you played the 3DS Miku game? Ah, uh, yes. I played the demo of it, and I liked it in theory, but it kind of messed me up because the, 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 this is stupid, the buttons were different from what I'm used to on the PlayStation ones. So, like... I'm used to seeing blue and knowing that that that's X and that's in this spot. But like on the 3DS one, the blue is in a different spot. And that kind of threw me off. So I never really put much time into it. I should though, because they've got some songs in there that I wish were in the PlayStation ones that aren't. So um, I should put some time into that one and actually pick it up. Uh, Other than that, the dot hat games are, yes, all that short. And the reason why they're all that short is because it should only be one game and they just sold you four games. Yeah. Um, I actually talk about this a little bit in the video I made, which is that most of those games is grinding. And it's not just grinding for levels, it's grinding for items you need to progress with the story. And it is obvious that it's padding Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's obvious padding to make it four games when it doesn't need to be. So, yeah. That, like, once you, if you take all four of the original Dot .hack games, it is the length of a normal RPG. 
maybe a little bit longer, but you know what I mean? Like it, it's the length of like a persona three, you know? Yeah. So yeah, they, they all are short cause it's all one game. Uh, he then asked, why could I not understand Antinomi at all in the first podcast, but then have been fine since then? Have you replaced him, Murder? I'm going to go out on a limb and say you probably just got more used to the accent. Yeah. Um, and then he says, have you ever thought of making a No More Heroes LP? Um, that's a good question, because I totally have. Um, to the point where I even made thumbnails and shit, and I bought the PS3 version of No More Heroes, which I had previously just borrowed from a friend um i had a weird thing and like i kind of still did to an extent where like if there's a really good lp of a game that i like from someone else i don't want to lp that game because i'm like i know from like a weird personal thing that i wouldn't be able to do it better than this person did it and like i would rather just recommend the one i enjoy for other people then if that makes sense and I kind of have that with No More Heroes 1 and 2, because there's this guy who makes really good quality, probably actually the best produced, edited LPs I've seen. Uh, Chip Cheesum, he did No More Heroes 1 and 2 with his friend. Um, and they're just really well put together LPs of those games. Uh, and for the longest time, I think I would have been, excuse me, I would have been like, oh, just look at those instead. Uh, I've kind of cooled on that since then, because it's like, hey, you know, there's room for different people to have different experiences with the same game, you know? So, um, I've thought about doing No More Heroes, Heroes Paradise before. I think doing both 1 and 2 would be maybe something I don't know if I'd like to do. But Heroes Paradise does include some bosses and content from 2, just kind of as a pack-in thing, so maybe that'd be a cute way of doing that, but, um, probably not anytime soon, just because No More Heroes is a game that, like, I enjoy a lot, but actually playing it isn't the most fun aspect of it so for what it's worth just to put a little input on my own on there i think that absolutely people when they come to your videos it's for different reasons for a lot of people but i uh i think that there's at least enough people out there that are coming to your videos to hear what you have to say about something it's where yeah. i don't think you should ever feel like you can't do something because someone else did it yeah i know that's just a weird hang up i have yeah um I also do think, too, though, in kind of in the same running theme I have of heavily editing a lot of games I do, No More Heroes is a game that is ripe for doing my style of LP <laughs> um, in terms of cutting out excess content. So, Yeah, except for yeah. the Zelda. Let's play. No, that I, honestly, I like that one a lot, because that's a good game, I feel, to just have Let It Rock, you know? Yeah. Just, because that's, it, that's what everything. that game is, you know? Exactly. I, I feel like that was a good version of that. I, f I feel like we managed to simultaneously have our cake and eat it, too, of I don't think that we have bored person on episode 120 of Skyrim. I feel like there's relatively little downtime in that Breath of the Wild LP. We... Uh, I was I was actually thinking about this yesterday. Um, that I think we diversified enough. That LP is interesting because it starts out with like, "Hey, Zach's been playing this game a lot, and I'm I'm Zach's gonna tell Rosin all these hot tips," and then it changes into like, you start like being like, "Hey, let's go to a place that you haven't been," and then it's like we discover stuff together, yeah, and then 
I catch up and I finish the game and it's like, all right, now I'm going to know everything again. And then you completely like blow the door open on shit. And I was just like <laughs> blowing my mind every time you go somewhere. And I'm just like, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, man, uh, we said it before, but if people aren't watching that, you should at least give it a shot. It like even if you gotta skip some episodes, because sure, maybe some are actually pretty boring. There are some yeah. good bits in that fucking LP Honestly, that I like a lot. I feel like that's a let's play that if you want, just jump in on the newest one. Yeah, honestly, um, maybe watch I, the first two, you know, and then yeah, you can you can hear my excellent story of the first person in line who pre-ordered the Switch when they got it, took it out of the GameStop bag, and went do 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 do. Uh, I think about that guy a lot. <laughs> you couldn't think about him for the rest of your life. Like, cause, like, he was some, like, 17-year-old punk. <laughs> it clearly was up to no good, and as soon as he took it out of the bag and rose it, like, brought it over his head, I wanted to scream. Uh, yeah. Ah, oh, man, he thought about that all day. Oh, God, he had to have. He was like, everyone's gonna laugh and applaud me. Mm-hmm. They're going to clap and take my picture as the guy who did the funny Zelda joke. Yep. I'm gonna be a meme, he said. Yeah, oh, so I was gonna record it and put it on Twitter, and then, like, I'll become the next, like, guy. I'll become the guy. The guy. The Zelda guy. Yeah. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this. Maybe eventually we can come back together for the Karnokio cast, and I say that's... Ex you know what? So I said recently I want to watch those movies, like, all together. I was going to do that starting with three, but then I needed to take a fucking break, because oh boy. Um, I kind of, speaking of doing it for the meme, partially want to watch all those in a row so I can have a WAFP episode titled Karnokio cast. Yeah. I'm a douche. But no, it's let's do it. This was supposed to be Carnokio cast, but then it became Internet History Podcast. Yeah, it did. In a way, this was asynchronous storytelling. We did it. Oh. Oh. Zach, we are podcast. No! Everybody lives. Just this once. What the fuck? <laughs> Why? Why?